0: You can go you can make it as lot li- alive as you want. Alright guys, we're live. I uh, I think I'm just gonna talk to Marcus the whole time. Oh hey. Yeah. Hey man, how's your lifts going? <sighs> Things oh, yeah. going okay? They're going pretty
1: good.
2: You
0: know? Falling asleep over there, bud? Oh my god. You see who this is over here?
1: Well you didn't know because I just stood up on my little
0: booster chair. Oh, yeah. Looking handsome, buddy. So much that's power. all I know. What's going on, Ed? Just
1: hanging out here this weekend, doing a free seminar and having fun. What's been going down? You've been kind of traveling all over the place, doing it's, seminars everywhere. A, a few times with Mr. Effording, which is really cool cuz he's a lot of fun. I don't have to be alone and I get to learn a lot from Stan.
0: He's uh he's really fat though. So does is. is it hard he like take he take his shirt off near me. He was embarrassed. He, he didn't want he didn't want you to school him I was once showing again.
1: Him up. How did you uh how did you
0: meet Mr. Effording?
1: I met him at the Mr. Olympia contest. When you brought him along, the, that's right. the first cover of the magazine.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's kind of how we all kind of came together is, uh, w- you know, Andy and I decided to do a magazine. And we thought there's only one person fit to be on the cover of the first power magazine that we ever made. I was like, we need to have Ed Cohn on there. And so there, so and there I it was. never
1: talked to you. I had only known you from the old elite stuff. As smelly, right. and I didn't even know your name. I just thought it was this funny, sarcastic bastard, which is pretty true, yeah. anyways. But, uh, and I had no, only known about Stan because he had started coming to your gym, and you were the, one of the first guys that started putting up videos. Right. And everyone's looking at this Jack guy, and he's getting stronger and bigger the whole time. Yeah, so it was he pretty was, cool.
0: Yeah, Stan was a, a freak uh, right, right out of the gate. But something that you said that was really cool in that interview. Of that uh, first publication of Power Magazine, um, you know, I said uh, something like that. My dad said to me, you know, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. And I said that was really helpful to me because uh, I was kind of chasing after these numbers. And it can be a very dangerous thing. Sometimes you chase after numbers that you're never meant to
1: to actually lift. You end up not adhering to the process to get to it. Not not doing dotting your eyes and crossing your t's to get to it, and you're trying to jump levels that you're not at, and that's you never get there. You then. skip. You sometimes
0: skip some yeah. of the uh, steps, uh, but I said something like that to you in this interview, and I said, uh, you know, it was a good realization for me. It was healthy for me to recognize that I'm not Ed Cone. That I'm not Sean Frankel. That I'm not some of these guys that were uh, breaking all time world records. And uh, you wrote you you uh, in the magazine said back basically, uh, oh, I wouldn't worry about that. You're going to do your own great thing someday anyway. That's all it is. And I was like, and when I got that back, that really meant a lot to me. That really actually helped me with a lot of things because that's it's hard to kind of figure out your own
1: your own way. It's your, it's your own path. A, it, I wish I always say I wish I had me to train me both. <laughs> Physically and mentally, right? Because I would have done. I think I would have done so much better. Because you get inside your own head, and you got your own ego and stuff like that. It's 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 hard to take the steps needed. You don't look at. Yeah, it. this guy doesn't skip any steps. You've been watching him. Not anymore. I Fili- won't let him. Filipino <laughs> Thunder. I will
0: beat his ass. He, but he's in here. um, on off days. I mean, yeah, tell, tell us about it, Marcus. What are some of the stuff you're doing? You're doing all this, you know, uh, almost rehab, prehab stuff that nobody
3: wants to do. And he's over there doing yeah. it. Well, I have the normal four training days a week. And then every other day I'm in here, I try to get something done. Usually it's just a little bit of like warm-up, roll-out, stretch, um, a lot of prehab. That's what I like to call it just because I don't want to get hurt again. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to like prevent that from happening. Preventative um, medicine. Yeah. So, I mean, I just try to get... Make sure like I'm moving, take care of my adductors, try to have my hips mobile, keep my pecs good, my elbow happy so I can train. Cause like when I can't, like I have to back off my training, it just like fucks everything up. And then I'm not happy with my week if I can't go at it at the pace I was supposed to go at it. Then I get stressed out. Cause I'm like, okay, in 10 weeks, that means I'm not going to squat 750 for my single before meet, but I'm only going to get 740. And I'm like, now do I have the confidence to take like the squat I want to take at the meet? Or am I just going to be short there too?
1: All right. You're setting so. you're setting yourself up on your on your off real training days <clears throat> to be successful. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, I think it's
3: a lot better too for me at least to just do something and not just do nothing. Like doing nothing and sitting on the couch, going home, and like I feel like shit the next day coming in to train.
1: Doing those tiny little things a whole bunch of times though adds up. Right. Mm. I mean, that's what you were talking about today. You
0: said you were like, I I, I got to do some kind of lifting today, and just to. You got to move. But it doesn't always have to be this monumental big time exercising. No, going tra-
1: training doesn't have to be power training, so to speak. It doesn't right. have to be bodybuilding training. It has to be movement. All the exercises you're doing actually can make you healthy right. so you can do the other stuff. That's still training because it's still hard work. Yeah.
0: A lot of people don't realize that in your career. I mean, things have changed over the years. People have different uh different ways of going about things like a prehab type work and some of the movements have changed a, a little bit. Uh, but some of the work that you did uh, just you know, day in and day out, doing um, you know, behind the neck presses, um, leg extensions, leg curls, uh, calf raises, and then on top of that, when you whenever you are done with all your workouts, it seemed like every single workout you ever did, I think you always stretched. Yeah. And so, a lot of times, people don't recognize that. Well, those movements, uh, you know, leg extensions can be looked at as a prehab movement. Leg curls. You're, you're you're making the muscle bigger,
1: stronger from different angles. Exactly. You're not always going to be in the perfect position with a real heavy weight. Yeah. And if you're not, then what's going to hold you in place? All the other little things. <laughs> yeah. So that that that's why I, I used to put into place as in the uh, in the New Power magazine. I talk about making your body into this abominable force, like a uh, a, a suit of armor. Right. So wherever you go Exactly. Wherever you go to hit, there's chunks of muscle and tendons and ligaments and bone structure that is strong now. Because you dotted your eyes and crossed your T's, you made everything strong. It's like a old power bodybuilding type thing. And then get ready for a contest the power away. So you never had a weakness in what's going to show up. So instead of doing like five sets of regular heavy squats, I would do two. And then I would do my heavy pause squats or high bar close stand squats and then leg extensions, leg curls. And then on a deadlift day after regular deadlifts or I would do stiff leg deficits or regular deficits, all stuff without a belt, bent rows. And I would just make the whole body strong to withhold everything for the future. Right. When it comes to powerlifting training too,
0: we're training like um, it's the movement and not necessarily the muscle group or at least that's the way a lot of people have shifted when you were training is that the way you looked at it or was it different back then did you, was it like a leg day like almost like a bodybuilding routine or was it a squat
1: day the squat was the most important but you knew you had to do the other stuff to fill in the blanks that's mm. that's what i that's what i meant up the volume in my regular squats by right. filling in the blanks with Heavy compound assistance exercises plus the, the little stuff for balance and health.
0: All right? Do you think a newer person or a more experienced person has to worry about uh, getting their volume from accessory work
1: more? A newer person has to because they have to build a big, big base. You can't go up. Unless you build a they, base. They just
0: don't really have the strength yeah, to they'll, hammer they'll, it all out in they'll the they'll squat necessarily. There'll too many
1: weaknesses in too many areas. So right. it's good to be more power bodybuilding. Um, and then in the middle, I think like after contest or to get in shape, your GPP, you have to do that stuff. And then you can get ready for a power meet. And then at the end of your career, you have to do a lot more of that stuff to hold everything in place. It comes full circle. Yeah. I, I truly believe, and this is kind of it's kind of new, is that how you trained when you were younger is how you're going to end up training, and it'll be the most comfortable way for you to train when you're older. Hmm. Like when you started doing all your powerlifting stuff, the main stuff you did was a lot, a lot of. Uh, the old conjugate and all that with box squats and stuff. And that is the most comfortable for your body. Right. So why wouldn't you go back to that and it feels great and comfortable? That's what you did. Exactly. And every time I deviate from it, I kind of feel like shit. I'm like, why aren't I just box squatting in my briefs? Like, that's what I'm used to. Then do it. (laughs) At this point, you're not going to compete. You want to be healthy. You want to be strong enough. So why not enjoy it?
0: Yeah. And the thing that makes it feel the best is I actually just have a good workout. Yeah. And the only way for us to have a good workout is we are defined by the weights that we move so there's got to be some weight on there yeah it's not like we're training
1: for a contest so we don't got to worry about it right yeah
0: but you can't train with nothing
1: No <laughs> no because you've got your own ego and you're, you're to, you know like I said I, I right. just I just train enough heavy enough to look stronger than I really am <laughs> that's when you whip out those uh, yeah. crossfit plates. I have to do a little bit of uh, shrugs and curls now and then though. Uh Marcus does a lot of the programming
0: here for Super Training Gym and, and has helped a lot of our athletes uh, reach reach some of their goals. Um, and, uh, you know, we've noticed a trend where, you know, uh, a lot of people are adding in more, more volume to their workouts. Um, but I personally have always kind of liked to train a little bit more the, the way that you're training. And I always liked the west side stuff where it was kind of a one-and-done type thing, two, two sets, three sets. Uh, I never obtained the kind of strength that you had. So sometimes, uh, depending on the movement, I might do a set, an extra set or two to get that extra volume in there. But I was never really a big fan of like five, six, seven, eight sets. I felt like I could never really uh, re-
1: recover your, from it. Your speed can slow down. And when you get fatigued, your mental and your um, – breaks down and also your technique. Right. So that's what you have to be careful of. If you're going to do that many sets, the intensity level would have to be a lot lot lower. Right. Or else you're going to burn out.
0: And so maybe but maybe for that reason, maybe it's good to do that sometimes because it is nice to
1: have that mental challenge from a different angle. It's right? all good and it's all not good. It depends on how you pick your numbers right. and your intensity and your workload. If it's too high too often, you're going to burn out. You won't be able to do it. Right. Do you disagree with the way some people are training nowadays,
0: or do you think it's just highly individual? It's highly individual. It's all the same and different. Like, do you look at it and be like, oh, I wouldn't do that. Or do you think, or do you say, I wouldn't do that for me? Because that's kind of different.
1: Definitely for me, for, for some of the guys you watch that are the best, it works, but a lot of times the best are gifted to be able to do that. It won't hold true Mm. for the masses. So it's kind of like a disservice sometimes. Yeah, it's cool to show big lifts, but what's the actual routine that got you there? Right, that's what you want to know.
0: And you know, with uh, with Marcus, you know, he's he's an efficient squatter, and so when somebody's efficient at something, uh, they have a little bit more leeway on the frequency they use, the intensity that they use. They could kind of uh, they can flip flop and, and move around a little bit more than someone who's inefficient in a squat. They might not recover for a week. Yeah, the room for error is <laughs> a might, lot, lot smaller. It might take a long time to uh, to recover. When you're planning out some of the stuff, Marcus, what are some of the things you're
3: looking for? In uh, myself, yeah, um, just the progress. Like, uh, yeah. just uh, I, I liked linear progression. Like I was doing it like a long time ago, like right out of high school before I knew it was a real program. It just kind of made sense. You know, I'm how do? much uh, weight were you squatting when you first came in to super training? So when I came into super training. Like a good depth was probably like 620. I took a pretty ugly 645 the first week I was in here. And then I think by the first meet, squatted 638, had squatted 680 in training a couple times. Right. Uh, the following meet squatted 700 for the first time.
1: Was it 700 even or 699 and three quarters?
3: It was 705. That's
0: the worst. That 699 yeah. number. 317 and a half kilos. It was uh <laughs> Those numbers are real. Those numbers are real bitch. Mm-hmm. It might've actually been 727. Hmm. The
3: first time I went over seven. Oh yeah. I think it, I think you're right. I think you had one meet where you- I think I squatted seven yeah. in the gym going into that yeah. meet. But um, for me, it's just like I've, since after my first year of lifting weights, I, I love the squats. Hmm. First year, absolutely hated it. It was fucking hard. <laughs> I wasn't strong. Didn't like it. Uh, I had a training partner. He used to talk a lot of shit. He was stronger than me there. I was, had a bigger bench. I caught up to his squat and then I just took off and it's my favorite lift. Like if I could do, if I could do not never pull again, I would be completely happy and I would just squat four days a week. Like I would be totally fine doing that. Do you, uh, have you always uh, had
0: motivation to go to the gym? I mean, you, you had a long you had a long career, you're still training now, but in your competitive days, was there any ever uh, a need for like, you know, quote unquote motivation or you were just excited no. to train all the time anyway?
1: I always knew that I could get better. So I always had a reason to go. Yeah. You always knew there was an opportunity for you to. Always. I knew, I knew when, before I walked in, the, would walk in the gym every day, I knew I would get what I was programmed to do all the time. I never had a doubt in my mind.
0: Did you ever work out like frustrated or mad because you were trying, like you were just so driven towards those numbers or, or were you more like just focused? was it more, more of a positive cleaner focus. It's,
1: it's It was always positive because I always knew what I was going to get. You know, I, I had it worked out beforehand that I wrote out the program like a hundred times mm-hmm. to get every set rep and, you know, weight yeah. down, including assistance exercise. And, so I knew every step of the way what I was going to do and how it was programmed. So every week built upon for the next week, it was easy because I knew at the whole step of the way it was figured out beforehand that I would not miss. Yeah. You made that post the other day that had, uh, um, that had your buddy on there, Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, you know, he was banging out some squats, but he always, he always lifted pissed off. What was the quote?
1: <laughs> um. What was it? Uh, it? Let's
0: see. I'm trying to get it. I can't yeah. get my phone to work, but uh,
1: I, I know I kind Oh, yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Powerlifting was just uh, uh, my way of showing it. Yeah. About know, uh, uh, how, how pissed I, pissed about pissed about I really am on the inside <laughs> about <laughs> right. the world.
0: So that was uh, kind of his his way of training. I, for myself, um, you know, I've I've trained that way plenty of times. Um, it's worked a couple times. There's, But it didn't
1: have a, be, uh, any legs, you the, know. The inner aggression is fine. If I let it out, it's too much energy I would let out, and it, it has a tendency to um, lead to a mental doubt in your head. Which Marcus and I talked about that earlier. A lot mm. of times, ammonia and stuff like that is just to break a negative thought. Mm. Yeah,
0: that's kind of the way that I've always felt about that. Getting charged up and you know hitting each other and all those things. It, you know, whatever you got to do to make the lift. We
1: well, really. you saw what happened to the guy when he cracked Jesse.
0: He <laughs> got I, yeah you got it right back yeah you know a lot of times i think it's uh it's us talking ourselves into saying hey you know what this is going to be really hard but it's okay mm-hmm. like hey it's okay big guy like you're gonna you're gonna make it through this you're gonna be able to get you gotta,
1: it you gotta talk yourself into it from the inside out it can't be an external source what is that that mr effort ding says is there's nothing that anyone can do to or for you that is going to be better than what you can do to or for yourself right so if it comes from you that's you, you, uh, marcus can't make me feel confident about my weight he can hype me up but that's gonna, when i grab the bar yeah. it's got to be me right he shouldn't be able to
0: have a negative or positive impact on your no, lift no no you should just have you just block shit. out the noise. <laughs> right. But maybe he says something that gives you a little bit yeah, of there are certain
1: a, people's voices right, that you like to hear. Yeah. That but that just blocks out everything else. Right. It's it's always gonna be you.
0: Right. That make, that makes a lot of sense. No one lifts the weights for you. When did this uh powerlifting career start? When was your first uh meet?
1: Nineteen eighty. I was sixteen. Yeah. I was a, it was class three novice back then. I had Ernie France and Bill Sino who were world record holders yeah. as a couple of my judges. I, I weighed like 150. I, so I didn't cut, you know, I wanted to be big. So I didn't cut to 148 and my opener was 485 and they didn't have squat racks that went low enough. So they had to physically take the weight off and put on my back and I missed my <laughs> first, I missed my first two. And then yeah. the, the third one, I just, I nailed. And then I benched 295 that day and pulled like 495. And I won like best lifter and stuff like that. So you squatted 400 at 150 pounds. 485. 485. I think so. That was my opener. I would have squatted a lot more. That's fucking ridiculous.
0: Yeah, you basically squatted around 500 pounds.
1: But here's what I did twice a week, I squatted and maxed out both days till I got to 500. <laughs> And it was just nothing but a a, a really, really low good morning. (laughs) I had like these skinny legs and this big back already because that's all I used.
0: Well, there's also not a – there wasn't like a lot of video and stuff. There wasn't a lot of information of somebody repeatedly telling you that you did it the wrong way. Like if you would have posted that up on Instagram, you would have got roasted right away, right?
1: Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. The, flame,
0: exactly. the flames would come out and they, maybe. They, they
1: roast uh, Lane Norton all the time about yeah. how his squat, you know, that's just how he built. Just have fun. Yeah. Do it. Shut up. And that's let me kind alone. of
0: the way you squatted, right? You kind yeah. of almost like lean into your yeah, belt kind
1: of. I have this, you know, short little oompa loompa legs yeah. and a long torso. So I was going to lean over. So where do you, where do you put the bar when you squat on your back? Yeah. What do you lay on when you bench your back? What do you pull with in the deadlift your back? So I just concentrate and get my back as big and strong as possible. That yeah. was my base. How do you
0: think your back was able to handle that? Is it because you have a short torso? You think your back was able to handle
1: some of that? I, I built it.
0: Yeah, just kept just kept smashing it. I, and, and All the going, different exercises. And yeah,
1: and by going back again and building that new base and hitting those reps the way, your body—it's like Darwin's theory—it's gonna evolve <laughs> or die. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you uh, you didn't really run into a lot of injuries until you got. Uh, a little older, you ran into uh, you know a, a muscle tear at the Mountaineer Cup.
1: Yeah, even before or, that, uh, or, or that ligament tear out. rather. Yeah, um,
0: I think, but you stayed pretty healthy though, pretty healthy. considering the amount little, of
1: little tears, but no surgeries to right. the knee. And that's going to happen when you push the limits in of your body right. at a certain weight class. All of a sudden. a uh, that little tweak is going to be a big thing. It's not going to be a pulled muscle with a, you know, 900 plus pounds. Right. It's not going to be pulled. It's going to be a little tear. And that's what happened.
0: You know, we, we learn a lot from helping and from coaching other people. And, uh, you know, having Marcus here, he's, he's always helping me. He's helping pretty much everybody in the gym. And we all help each other. And we all learn a lot from. That's called teamwork. We all learn a lot from all that.
1: Who are, what team in the history of major league sports of any pro sports has ever won without being a good team
0: right no it has to be a good team and you need a leader yeah you know you need somebody that's willing to say hey this is the way we're doing stuff around here you know and then people need to kind of follow suit otherwise you don't have much of a team no it has to work together yeah and um you know what i what i think is is great is like you know going into a seminar or seeing so many different people we got a lot of people that visit us uh you know on the weekends here mm-hmm. sometimes have an extra 5 10 15 guests sometimes and uh i've learned a lot you know by looking at some of these people sometimes you just simply learn hey you know what i'm actually i'm pretty good at coaching people makes yeah. it feel good you're like hmm. you put enough time into it all of a sudden you yeah. watch someone and say no that's wrong like you you, you and, and you start saying a lot of stuff and you're like wow well, I guess I do have an opinion on something
1: exactly <laughs> you put enough time in yeah. and you see it all and you do it doing it is really important right. cuz then you can you can watch someone and know not just how it looked but you can say no that didn't feel right for you i can tell cuz the stuff didn't work right for for me watching someone's technique is i don't necessarily say your technique sucks. It's more of if it looks natural for your body to do and it's comfortable, that's what you stick at. And then you just build on top of that because right. everybody's different.
0: Right. And and for myself, what I've learned the most from that process of, of working with a lot of other people is I've learned that I'm not always going to be right. You know, I might say, hey, Marcus, bring your stance in. And it ends up being a shitty call. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay, uh, go.
1: <laughs> then you learn. Yeah, but go, then, go but back. But then again, you could take another guy who's built like him, and you could say, pull your stance in, and it's going to work. Right. So that's what the thing is like. I, I, I so I think some... that's important for coaches to understand, like, you
0: might be wrong. Your first guess sometimes is going to be wrong. Like, you know, pay attention to what you're doing and actually see if it's working and communicate with that person.
1: What I learned from that Dr. Bo Hightower, you know, that elite ortho stuff of Jackson Wink yeah. is he put a a post up one time of like four or five different MRIs or whatever, or x-rays of people's hips. Hmm. And you could see the angles and everybody was completely different on the inside, but on the outside, there's a good chance they looked all the same. Right. And so that's where the little point your toes out this way, take a wider stance, high bar from low bar, that's where that that stuff comes in. Right. But you don't know until you try.
0: Right. And you might have a doctor say, hey, like this, is, this has to happen this way. This is the way that we produce the most amount of force. But until you've had that weight on your back and each person is going to even just have the bar in a different spot on their back. They're going to hold the bar differently. So everything. It's thrown out the window. <laughs> everything's completely it, thrown like said, out the
1: window. It, then it goes back to it's got to look and feel comfortable for the athlete to do or else his body and mind are not going to want to do it. And then there's a struggle and you're never going to win the struggle with heavyweight.
0: Yeah. How good is that play that the coach wants to run that everyone fucking hates? How good does that play work? Never. <laughs> never. Everybody puts, remember that in yeah. football? Like everybody puts this like half-hearted effort, you know, into it. What's some stuff you learned from coaching some people around here, Marcus? Um,
3: uh, A lot, uh, just coaching people and watching people a lot. I can learn a lot about my own lifts, right? Because you see it over and over. You see what they're doing wrong. Because there are times like I can't. Take a step back from my lift and figure out what I'm doing wrong. Right, right. Then you watch other people and just kind of pick up on it really fast. Uh, what I've learned a lot of in here is just like, just kind of what you guys are hitting on. Everybody's a little bit different. Um I tried for a, well, the better part of a year working with Smokey to like get his back to just get it, get his back erect, get it flat to pull. And every time we nothing's try, nothing's ever going to be erect for that guy. Okay. But every time we try, <laughs> his pull goes to shit right? The weights go down, it's slow, it's uncomfortable. And I'm like, okay, well, fuck it. You can have a little bit of a rounded back. I'm like, just stay tight. Look at
1: my back when I deadlift it Mm -hmm. the same way,
3: my conventional. And I think a lot, after you get the experience of coaching, I think a lot of what you learn is that they're different. There's a lot of error in different people. And you can't just like teach people out of a book. You can't just teach people off of what's supposed to be perfect or or the way you do it, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people, they want to lift the way I want to lift, right? I get, I get people like, "I don't want to squat like you," and I'm like, "Well, you know, you're you're tall, you're, you're lanky, you're skinny." I'm like, "I don't think a wide stance squat's going to fucking work for you." I'm like, "There's yeah, just too much shit and, moving around." And you've
0: been thick, and you've been good at squats, pretty. I mean, pretty much your whole life, right?
3: Yeah, it took a little while. Um, thick <laughs> at thickness. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just it. It was a lot of trial and error in the beginning, right? I went through a lot of like injuries, and then. Just kind of like slowly found the path that I'm on now. Yeah,
1: eight oh four squat, not too bad. What can we get this guy to? What do we got to do over here? I actually think his next meet with knee reps, he's going to squat at least eight seventy. Not too shabby. I'm getting for that. No, that's pretty. And so him. you you've been helping him, right? Yeah, I'm teaching. Well, you know what? You've been he's you, you, been you, giving you, him you, some programming. Oh, right? Yeah, a lot of it, and then a lot of the stuff we talk about, I I'll be like, well, that's your body telling you the path that you have to take with this, where it'll be the same, but just little things will be different. It's like, right. he needs he needs a little bit more time to recover from deadlifts a lot with the way his adductors are. Mm-hmm. But I'll be working with him in a deadlift tomorrow a little bit and Jess with her squat. Mm-hmm. And we'll do a lot of videotaping with that and learn the cues and stuff right. to try to correct things. And most of the time, it's easier for me because I've seen it a thousand times and I know exactly how it's gonna feel. Right. So it comes a little easier for me, but I do this all the time with people. So like you said, when you help people, you start learning so much more about yourself. Right. The biggest compliment I ever got at a seminar was when I turned around at uh, Omaha Barbell and Stan and I were there doing a seminar together mm. during the workshop part. And Stan was following me around videotaping, stealing all my stuff. <laughs> and that was the most awesome feeling I ever had in my life. Yeah, he he's crafty that way. Yeah, we all learn from everybody. It's tough with that guy, too,
0: because he's got a photographic memory.
1: Except for faces.
0: So, he yeah. He forgets
1: everyone's face. Yeah,
0: he forgets faces and names. Some He's not the greatest with that.
1: But usually the way he describes it though, what sucks if you made it a competition he'd probably still beat us in it is though. is he is he ends up describing it better than you did and it was your idea. That His bastard. Sister, I, sister, hate I hate him. I hate him too. And uh,
0: you know, every time we have him on the podcast, I think people just want him to just take just to take over the podcast mm-hmm. and kick me
1: out of here, I think. So. <laughs> he does it without trying though.
0: I know. I know jerk. That doesn't help that he's ripped and he's like in his fifties and stuff too. What are we going to do? Just live with him. (laughs) Just, just live with it. And rather than trying to. Yeah. Just let him go. Rather than trying to fight him. Let him talk. Let him talk. Just
1: put a mirror in front of him. He'll forget about
0: us. That's, that's actually very true. A mirror or or a camera. And he's like, Hey, where's the camera? First steak. Yeah. Salted. (laughs) That's true. Don't forget the bone broth and Mm -hmm. the, uh, and the rice. When you were when you were lifting, um, there wasn't as much information. There wasn't as much people talking about recovery. wasn't as much people talking about uh, the nutrition side of things.
1: Nobody really knew it. though. I think
0: bodybuilders might have been talking about it, and
1: you know, there's some. Yeah, but the, the old yeah. bodybuilding diets yeah. weren't, weren't really good either. These were just yeah. big monster guys who busted their ass in the gym, ate a lot of chicken breast and rice, and mm. that was it. Right. So even the diets were the old style stuff.
0: Yeah, and it's not it wasn't uh, it wasn't really enough fat or calories in a diet for a power lifter.
1: It was only based on how good they could look and not on
0: health at all. Right, right. Yeah, not on how they can actually perform. No. Um, some people kind of had uh, some decent ideas of it, though it seemed like uh, Bill Kazmaier was like a, a meat and potatoes kind of guy and like a whole milk kind of guy. It seemed like there was a couple people back then. But there just wasn't as much information. Did you follow anything specific when you were lifting or you tried just to eat stuff that just didn't make you feel like crap? As,
1: as long as I was in the weight class, I pretty much ate whatever I wanted. Yeah. I would finish finish every night though at midnight before I went to bed with a filet. Yeah. That was, that was that night. So you always
0: had, you always had some
1: steak. Yeah. But I pretty much ate whatever I want.
0: Do you think when it comes to like the actual pounds that you lifted, do you think there would have really been much difference? From from a food like if your well, if the food was perfect or something I don't know
1: yeah I, I think there would have been as as far as a, a cumulative over time mm-hmm. because you would have built more quality muscle in your right. in your body your digestive system everything else would have been working properly so you were you were going to always be in a perfect state to lift what you wanted I mean you notice how how much better do you think now that you're eating so clean yeah. without all processed stuff right. and how that affects your mind
0: right. It's huge. No, it's, it makes it makes a big difference. Um, and having longevity,
1: you know, can can lead you to a bigger lift. But the only way to get to longevity when you do it right is you have to be healthy the whole time to be able to do it. Right. So it sets it up. So it's not like I'm going to eat this way. So then later on, I'll be able to lift this. It's not I'm going to I'm going to set my diet and my rehab or stretching and all that stuff out this way. So I never get hurt, all those years in between hmm. that makes me last that long. Right. It's all the work that's done at the beginning that sets you up for the end. That makes sense. With you uh, helping out Marcus, what are some of the things you're working on? Well, we cut down his volume t- a lot and we filled it in with uh, exercises that would directly support his structure to help him out. That was the biggest thing. Like the high bar. Yeah. Like, you know, when, when after he was done with the last cycle, he had to do high bar a little bit closer stance because mm-hmm. he's so uh, hip hamstring dominant, which right. I was too. Um, except I used a little more back than him. That uh, his quads would suffer. So when we did that and did a training cycle with that, those first few workouts, when you, when you come back, all of a sudden your weakness is brought up a little bit. Hmm. So now it's less of a weakness. So all of a sudden out of the hole your quads push more. Boom. Yeah. It fires you up,
0: right? Yeah. Um I see like, you know, he'll come in and he's got these like insane amount of like reps and stuff to, going on with these with these big weights. Um you've always been a big proponent of reps. Why yeah,
1: is it's, that? It's, sets such up. it gets you in shape, you know, like your GPP or hypertrophy, right. whatever you say, those words, you got to pay someone extra money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It's just, you got to be in shape, but it builds a certain amount of explosive power and speed. It solidifies your technique because doing that reps, you have to stay and keep that technique for a longer period of time. Yeah. And um, mentally it makes you a hell of a lot stronger. Remember, like Matt Croc would do insane oh, amounts yeah. of stuff just to see if he was mentally strong enough to be able to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, you look at some of these guys doing these deadlifts too, and they'll they'll do one rep, and it looks like they're going to die on the on one rep, and then they'll hold the weight at the top, and they'll proceed to do like four or five. How, how more. Are you going
1: to do a whole meet? <laughs> <laughs> you got. You, but you, yeah. yeah, you got to be you got to be in shape to be able to do it. Right. But you your body is a basically a flesh machine, Right, you got, you got to keep it healthy and make it work over and over and over and perfect it. And that changes from cycle to cycle. That's why I always went back and did those exercises again with all the reps and all the, the volume filling and stuff is to make that a bigger, stronger base. Did you ever get bored with
0: it? Like, uh, it, were there times in your career where you're like, well, I just squatted 950 for a double. I'm just going to go home.
1: No, it's like, this is going to set me up to squat a thousand.
0: You squatted nine. You squat nine fifty for a double, and you're like, if I don't do this extra work, I'm not going to be able to get that thousand pounds. Exactly,
1: exactly. I wanna, I wanna feel strong and solid the whole time. So that's it, it. First of all, because we walked it out in those days, it made the walkout better because there's no wobbling, less, mm-hmm. less weakness, and the confidence. When you get under the bar and you pop that up, and it feels like nothing, where does that set up mentally? Right. You can't miss.
0: Used to do that sometimes, right? Used to overload the weight, yeah. And like you would uh, do some walkouts, right?
1: The some holds. my last heavy day after my heavy double, I would take like after the nine fifty double, I took a ten forty walkout and held it for five seconds and walked it back, just to feel some weight, central nervous system stimulus, right? Mental stimulus is it's it's where it all starts, anyways. It's about a week out from the meet, yeah. And then the week of two the weeks, meet, two weeks actually, about two weeks out. The uh, the week before the meet, what would you do? Um, it would be usually some light reps at five hundred or so, mm. and same in the bench. So a big a big uh, a big taper would happen. Yes, um, to make sure I'm fully recovered because you right. did, you did just put your body through a, a whole cycle or year of hell because right. every off season kind of melted and blended in. For the on season or whatever the next step was. So it's it's not like I have this cycle, this cycle, this cycle. It's all one cycle. It just changes course and blends in. The the old right. a lot of the your old Eastern Block Olympic weightlifters would have one year long training cycle. That means there's already written out every set and rep on every single exercise that you're Sometimes gonna do. Sometimes four years. Exactly. But for <laughs> like a they they call so it, it like an all, Olympic cycle. So it's all planned out. Yeah. How can you miss? Yeah, so
0: if you if you do the work and you make the reps, then you get the prize at the end, basically.
1: And that imitates life. Look at your business, right? And the steps you took. You basically do it like a powerlifter. Yeah, you set it all up step by step.
0: I said to uh, something to somebody the other day. I said I've, uh, you know, power lifted everything, like you know, like go as hard as you can and then rest. For as long, as long as you need and go as hard as you can, rest as Pat long as you need. And do your thing. Yeah. Just kind of like keep going. Sometimes it's boring. Doesn't always look pretty. Sometimes you got to gut it out. Sometimes it looks like you're going to miss it. Sometimes you fail. A lot mm-hmm. of times you fail. Fail a bunch of times. I mean, you reanalyze, sit down, ask other Why people. Why did I fail? When, yeah.
1: If and when I ever missed something in training, it was never a negative. First it was throw down my belt, scream and yell. That always helps. Yeah, Yeah. MF this, MF that, (laughs) then it's over with. And then it was like, I didn't miss it because of strength, I missed it because of this. Then I was okay with it. Now I knew what to do, Now correct it and change.
0: Do you think that's important to blame it on something else rather than just saying, hey, I'm not strong enough yet?
1: Uh, that for like 30 seconds, it works. <laughs> and, then, and then all your training partners are like, oh, you dick, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> you didn't have the right collar on that side. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you walked in front of me. That's, yeah, that's yeah. always a good one. Yeah, why didn't you move that dumbbell?
0: Did uh, Goggin squat similar to you? Because I know he leaned forward a yeah, lot Yeah, he bent
1: over a lot, lot yeah. more. Yeah, he had, for squatting, he had one of the strongest backs in the history of all powerlifting. Oh
0: uh, I remember being at that uh, contest when he did the first 1,100-pound squat. Yeah,
1: I was there right on the side.
0: Uh, absolutely unbelievable. The first 1,100-pound squat. Now we have guys doing that in a pair of knee wraps. There's some
1: evolution. <laughs> you know what it is? Is someone does something and then it opens up the minds of everyone else saying, yeah, that can be done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking about
0: it a, a few weeks ago, saying you know Roger Bannister, he's the first guy to run the four minute mile. Mm-hmm. I believe he did it in the fifties, and uh, since that time, two hundred thousand or sorry, twenty thousand people have run a sub four minute mile, including like high school kids. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, once one person does it, then it other people. And Roger Bannister's uh, record stood for like fifty days. Yeah, didn't stand didn't stand for very long. So people, once people
1: realize it can be done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're watching, uh, here he is lining up on that big ass, uh, remember that huge guy that would spot at the WPO finals all the time? That just monster yeah, that guy? Yeah, that was
1: a guy from uh, uh, Chris uh, Weirton or something from, uh, yeah, from Maine. Huge. He was one of, uh, who was the head judge back then? Mm, I forget. Yeah. He I was uh, He was one of his guys. That was. Uh, <laughs> Chris Weir's was his name. Yeah. Chris Weir's. Yeah,
0: that guy was uh
1: he was a large man.
0: Marcus, you would a lo- you would have loved uh this time frame of powerlifting. It was uh the WPO finals were really
1: because it was at the Arnold in one of the ballrooms and it was beyond packed in nothing but testosterone-filled energy in the room. <laughs> I think and I, car- I,
0: and card girls in bikinis.
1: Yes. No, it, uh, from the from the local strip joint he usually went and got them and i mean in ohio you could if 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 Callie went to one of those meets she would come out with a full beard
3: <laughs> oh the intensity i think was we insane. need to bring this powerlifting back oh it was <laughs>
1: great yeah there was
0: a lot of energy you would see all the uh, busted uh capsules and syringes oh, and shit my in there gosh, yeah <laughs> no one no one cared it was just uh that, you know that's an interesting thing about powerlifting how there's you know there is a drug tested federation and there's a you know non drug tested but like People just don't. They kind of don't care. Like they, some people choose stay to stay in your lane. Yeah, some people choose to lift this way. Some people. I guess what people do hate is when people lie, right? Yeah. And when they come into the drug tested and they're taking shit, well, they see, try to. Now, slip now one it's pass a different it, culture.
1: Right? It's yeah. more. It's not drug tested. You're supposed to be drug free, mm-hmm. which there's a there's a big difference from that to the old days. Because I was guilty of that in the old days. Yeah, drug tested yeah. men. Yeah, drug tested back it's then. It's like Everyone, everyone was jacked and just trying to pass a test. And nowadays, it's it's more. I think you got to get on mic a little bit more oh, right there. Nowadays, it's more drug free, mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah, it, it's. Uh- it and I remember that with the uh, some of the Russian lifters when they started hitting these huge lifts and uh, you know like Yarmbosh and some of these guys were hitting these huge lifts and then it wasn't it wasn't too much longer that, that they got they got booted out. Um, you had all kinds of weird stuff happen in your powerlifting totally, career. Yeah. Um, there's the uh, Ed Cone squat rule you can't yep. have the bar too low on yeah. your back
1: right. And it was funny when 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 they got that was in Philadelphia and they red lighted me and I actually took off my shirt. Went over to the the jury <laughs> and showed them the line with blood marks on it that was sitting on top of my back delts, and they all just went. They looked the other way. Yeah. They don't want to see the truth.
0: Mm. You should have pulled your pants down. They could well, have really seen the truth. I would have really got red lights. No, they would have given you white. They would have felt I bad for you. No, I would have. <laughs> they they would have put me. I
1: would have lived with the women later. Then.
0: Oh my god! And then also you. Uh, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, you know, I was trying to follow whatever I could and it was just through Power of the USA and me and my brother would read it. Occasionally you'd end up in like muscle and fitness and stuff too. And we were super excited for that, but, um, You know, I think there was one time powerlifting USA. It said like you were banned from powerlifting. Yeah, and we were like, we were like, what? Mm -hmm. This can't be. Like we were the IPF. We were like really sad. Like we were like, what's going to happen with powerlifting? Like who even cares about sport anymore? The best guy they Mm -hmm. they ban him because he's too
1: strong. What's going on here? (laughs) What happened with some of that stuff? I I failed a drug test or two, and And that is really what it was. And they just booted you out of there. Yeah, pretty much. And, well, they and, gave you, know, you a lifetime ban, s- didn't they? Yeah, so, some of it was, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take the heat for what I did. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but there was, a like, the last instance where I, I really wasn't run according to how it was. You know, right. your A sample yeah, gets split to A and B, your mm-hmm. one sample, and they opened up the A sample twice. Well, whoo can't open it up twice, but they still went there. But back in those days, the IPF would say, well, we're going to follow IOC rules, but as promulgated by the ipf which meant we're going to do things the way we want even though we say we're going to do it the other so they can never be wrong Mm. and back in those days it was just okay i was banned for life well come 20 something years later (laughs) now they're saying well you can't even go to an ed cohen seminar but see that wasn't an ipf rule then
0: have they lit up on that now
1: Yes and no. They're, mm. they're, they say it to other athletes behind closed doors because, uh. like, in Sweden and other places, like, I'm still the devil to certain people. Mm. And, like, in Kuwait when we were just there, at least 15 people wouldn't come over from Dubai because they were afraid what they were told from the IPF people over there.
0: Is that there. Uh, does that hurt you? Yeah, because like, that kind of hurt. Yeah, because
1: because it's done on uh, personal because they mentioned me out by name. Yeah. It was, but see, it wasn't an IPF rule then, so I didn't violate an IPF rule. And they're saying, well, we uphold water rules, but see, water wasn't even invented yet for two <laughs> years later. So actually, it really is bad. And, and right. I mean, I've contemplated getting a lawyer a lot, and I got a really good one that you know. Yeah. And um, who actually said I could take care of this for you really easy? Yeah. And a, a friend of mine who's an FBI agent— nothing
0: better than a mean lawyer. Yeah, they they go overboard one, where you're like, whoa, like, hey, just uh, yeah,
1: one that knows what he's yeah. doing. And you know, even a friend of mine who's a, an FBI supervisor and he's actually a, a U.S. attorney, uh, assistant U.S. attorney, also, is he says, well, you know, these federations and stuff get a lot of oh, get a lot of leeway because no one challenges them. Well, a, a federation or association can have any rule they want, but it will never ever trump the US law and constitution. Mm. So they can do all things they want, but if it's illegal, it's illegal. And and I've actually been treated really bad. It's been 22 years and they still mess with me. And actually I I had a conversation before with the IPF president and another guy, a technical director. And they actually admitted to me that they know that, but they're afraid of what some countries might do and say, but they're just trying to work their way into the IOC. Right. And they're using, you know, their tough stance on me. But, you know, if and when I decide to end it, it'll it'll end really bad. Yeah, what do they even gain from that? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. It's just th- they need someone to pick on who's still a big name. When you,
0: when you were, um, you know, in your prime, you know, we had uh, – there was it was geared power thing. There was mm-hmm. – uh, some people, I guess, would choose to lift raw some people would make a decision very very few because like they maybe just didn't like if something could, or didn't i have, mean
1: back back in the old days the gear was a lot different and but it still helped yeah if why would you not from, use from it from what if i remember is going to use it
0: right from what i re- recall is like the only people that didn't wear powerlifting gear were the pussies they were like new and they're like not strong And they didn't want to commit to wearing the stuff because they were kind of scared to wear any of the suits or anything. But the squat suits back then, uh, from some of the stuff I heard, um, they were uh, like just passed around sometimes in the warm-up room. Like one guy would just bring them in. I guess it was uh, George Zangus. It was one of the first. The old marathon suits. One of the first squat suits, right? And he just came to the warm-up room and he was like... You know, kind of handing them out, and guys almost like a slingshot. He did
1: that the first time when he came out with his own double gold line knee wraps as he came to the Nationals with a whole bunch of them and gave them all lifters in the back. So people tried them that day, and they were
0: like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to wear And they wore it on the platform, and they were able to squat 30, you now know, 40 le- more pounds. It was
1: less learning curve, mm-hmm. but it still gave you support, so everyone used it. But I thought it was cool that no one cared. No, no one did care. No, no one, no one was like, hey, you can't, you
0: know, it was just like... Cheater! <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like today. If you if you open up your stance in a deadlift, you're cheating. <laughs> yeah. I think that actually started off as a joke, and now yeah. it just kind of. Well, yeah, it gets a little serious sometimes. Said by said by guys that couldn't sumo. I remember watching a lot of these videos. We're watching you squat 981 pounds in a meet. I mean, this is always just unbelievable to watch you. You're always uh, aggressive on the way down, and the speed which you go down is is almost identical. To the speed at which you uh at which you come back up but i remember as a kid trying to watch these videos i'm like i remember being super excited i was you like i'm gonna watch the video
1: doug furnace was that's doug furnace's yeah. butt right there
0: uh yeah i, I remember this bit this is a this is a really cool I video he really remembers but i do is it so this is the, it, no wait that's this isn't the is this the meat where you pull conventional at the end or yeah no? oh it is okay that looked uh
1: familiar you, 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 you hurt, hurt your, your hip right? No, no no. I, I actually had torn my adductor and I decided to in one year and I decided, well, what the hell, why want not see what I can do conventional? That guy next to you fun. is huge too. Guy's. Uh, there's uh the the guy with the white shirt is John Binkowski. He was about three seventy five there. And the He uh, benched six hundred pounds at least. Look at that. Oh, guy. Yeah. And the guy in back was uh, Tom Milanovich, the old owner of Quads. He used to do a bunch of movies and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. – uh, yeah. He, <laughs> some of those old videos where you guys are, like,
0: by the fireplace yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, those are Those are incredible. Those are classic. But I remember being so excited, and I was watching these videos, and I'm like, I'm going to learn how to deadlift. I mean, this is going to be so cool. And then I'd watch him walk up to the bar just super calm and pull, like, I don't know, 700 pounds or something. And – he just like he walked up to it calm and he like lifted it like a like a damn savage and I was like I didn't learn anything from that I don't understand <laughs> and you're explaining it but I'm not understanding it cuz I, I didn't I just didn't know anything at the you time
1: I so was watching I'm just like you oh my God. cues that you would you would pick up at the time cuz you didn't know you didn't the know. cues what the cues meant
0: I didn't know all, all I all I learned from it is that I was a piece of shit <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's like my that was the first 1000 pound squat Thousand three. yeah here we go. Do I make it? Every time you make it.
2: We should rewind that. I'll rewind it. Uh, one I of the questions Yeah, one of the questions that came in actually was uh what was your uh you know, what was your mentality like going into these uh these these lifting meets? Like basically like, yeah, did you have it, what what was your mindset going in?
1: Make the first one and see how it goes. <laughs> you, you, you it was never like a preconceived what am I going to do? It was this is what I did in training. Let me do this for my opener, make it easy. And that'll tell me what I'm going to be good for the day. So I'm not going to say, let's say, I think my opener was 920 at that, at that contest. Smoke show. So went right to 970 to feel it out because all the time I'm thinking total total. Total, mm-hmm. total. I wasn't thinking, let's just go for a big monster squat and hope for the best. I wanted to build upon it. I was in shape. So doing another squat wasn't going to be hard. It was just mental focus, and I already had that. Did you ever get caught kind of
3: reaching in a meat? What do you mean reaching? Like taking- No. Like, no? No. You ever taking too big of numbers? No. How, how do we teach people that now? Because- uh, hey,
0: you know I, in my opinion it might be a little harder now because it just we have instagram and everyone wants to insta everything is an
1: all-time world record <laughs> regard, you know there's a, it's, it's not a, it's not like a, an IPF all-time record it's not a, a it's just all-time UPA or USPA or SPF world right. record. it's like it's just given it's an all-time world Larry, record. Larry Wheels yeah a- Eric
0: Lillibridge Dan Green and Kayler Wulom all within the same week Pull nine hundred pounds, and none of it is none of it is in competition. Even no, it's just on Instagram, no, or or in the animal cage. See, to me, that wouldn't work for me. How do we stay in our lane nowadays? How do we knock it? How mentally, do we not get so excited? Mentally
1: and physically, it would have burnt me out because you can only handle so much. As the the, the old Russians, when I, I was one of the first guys to go to Russia after Fred Hatfield and another guy named Dave Keggy, and I was in the first powerlifting meet ever in Russia. And what a lot of the old timers said is you only have so many max attempts in your body, don't waste them, not yeah. in competition. I
0: remember um, I asked you about the animal cage and you were like, nope, don't do it. And I was like, but you told me that if I get invited to meets, that I should go. And you said, yeah, meets." It's not a power. It's a perfect. not, like it's it's not, not a, a power thing. A meat. demonstration. You and can I was just like, do
1: uh-huh. it if, if you're strong enough. A demonstration at a meet that you do your regular workout in is going to be way good right. enough. Right. Like some of the stuff that you did, like uh, for Vince McMahon,
0: like the the, the uh, when he had his uh, bodybuilding federation. Right. You did a uh, an appearance, and I think you pulled like eight eighty or yeah. something. Right. But it was something that you knew was going to be super
1: easy. It was probably part of your easy. plan. No problem. No problem. I did. I did something in Santa Barbara once, where I had a uh, full Superman outfit underneath a suit, and it was at a the like the central whatever. It was a big. It was a big bodybuilding show there. Yeah. And Fred Hatfield, Doctor Salaria, those are the guys that started the ISSA, and Tom Platts were on stage. And behind them, during intermission, as they're on stage doing q and A Q&A for the crowd, they kept loading weights onto a bar. Mm-hmm. And then when they got up to seven hundred, Fred Hatfield turns around these guys, he goes, guys, what the hell are you doing? Oh, we're loading weights for somebody. Well, there's nobody here. This is a bodybuilding contest. There's (laughs) no one here that can do that. And then Fred challenged the crowd while I was sitting in the crowd warmed up with a suit and tie on with the Superman contest, (laughs) a whole whole suit on underneath. And so I said, I can, and no one really knew who I was there at the time. So I walked up on stage and and the house lights went off and only the little spotlights on us. And Fred said, what do you mean you can do this, kid? I said, well, listen here, pops, just because you're too old and you can't do it anymore doesn't mean anyone else could. I think I could. And he challenged me. So I kind of kicked off my shoes, took my jacket off, put my jacket, I I, I pulled his arm out straight and I put my jacket over his arm. And then, but I had reached into my pockets and grabbed chalk Hmm. and I grabbed my shirt like this, and when I did that, they played Superman music as loud as they could. And I ripped my shirt off and let the chalk <laughs> go. And I pulled seven hundred, like seven or eight reps, right there. And with the, you know, it was pretty funny. That's that's cool. Um,
0: I remember, you know, in this uh, in this meet, um, you pull conventional. Uh, for those of you that have been under a rock or not paying attention, uh, Ed Cone at two hundred twenty pounds uh, not only pulled nine hundred one. But uh, and that was sumo.
1: This one was a a, light, a real light
0: 242. Oh, two forty two. Oh, okay. So in a two hundred forty two pound weight class, uh, he also pulls eight eighty seven, and he does it he does it conventional.
1: The only reason I didn't go over nine hundred was because the total record was twenty four fifty eight, which was the biggest one ever set by like uh, Anthony Clark or something at the time. So I wanted to beat that, and that put me at twenty four sixty three. I think it was Bill Casimir. Bill Kazmaier told 2425 Anthony Clark and Dave Passanella had totaled a little Dave bit. Dave Passanella. Than
0: yeah. Damn. Dave Passanella was He was very strong. What do you think like maybe one of the greatest of all time, right? I mean just to... Oh, definitely. He could He was ridiculous. I saw him
1: walk out a 1030 squat like it was 135. <laughs> that's what I that's the what I remember was so damn cool. And he had a, a decent bench and an eight fifty deadlift. I think eight fifty four he had pulled. At two seventy five. Yeah, he was yeah, he was insane. He was built, he was like the strength coach at Georgia.
0: He died in like a car accident or something.
1: Yeah, I think he had a he had a small car and he came out of whatever parking lot at school or something and somebody had T boned him, but then his car went into a light pole and mm-hmm. his neck snapped.
0: Um, we recently lost uh, Dr. Squat. Um, yeah. you ever
1: have an opportunity to, to work out with him? Yeah, I used to. Uh, Fred helped me get a contract with Weeder back in the day. Oh, no way. Fred worked for him. and Fred li- That's when everybody was nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah Nobody f- would do that Fred, now. Nobody Fred, would help anybody do no. anything.
1: Fred lived down there, and I would go and stay at Fred's house all the time. And Fred would teach me stuff. And we worked out in his garage all the time. And then he'd take me over there and I'd go hang out with Joe and that was Fred it. Fred Hatfield's power of thing career was a little bit before yours, right?
0: Yeah. A couple years before. He squatted uh it was his ten fourteen. Ten fourteen. And I did ten nineteen. The the when he went over a thousand pounds, is that what he chose to hit? It was ten fourteen or was that later well, on? Like that he was later on I mean, he had a
1: thousand three okay. or whatever first, and right. then a thousand eight and then a thousand fourteen. He could Fred could actually like take 1050 Hmm. and do it to about parallel and still come up with it. No problem. And Fred was actually shorter than me, but weighed in at like 258. So he was, he was, he was actually drinking salad oil to gain weight. Really? Just just for leverage for the squat. Oh my God. He just, he just couldn't hold on to a deadlift. Oh, okay. Especially when he was, or after squatting, he had a nerve impingement or something.
0: Yeah. I I know you have, you know, huge hands. Can I get a, hey now? Um, how were you able to build up uh, grip strength did you ever have to work on it in particular or you just I, didn't, you I don't really think strong? I
1: really had to work on it but I did anyways because of how it made everything feel when I grabbed the bar even when I grabbed the squat when I grabbed that bar and my grip was really strong it like went all throughout my whole body
0: this guy's got a strong grip Marcus what are some things you do for your grip or when someone struggles with grip what do you
3: tell them to do uh, not just do their accessories without straps now Mm. Uh, i used to do a lot of huh reps 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 like repetition oh yeah a lot of reps um i used to do a lot of grip stuff like when i was competing in strongman but that's just because we always had different shit to hold but for powerlifting we're just holding a bar i just do reps without it if we have to implement something we will but for the most part i think it takes care of itself as long as you just hang on to the bar uh, yeah, or
0: like some of us, we lose mobility. Mm-hmm. You That's know, a big if, one. if your arm doesn't want to turn under, and you're someone that lifts under over grip, my
1: bicep because of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, we
3: we have <laughs> done that multiple times in here too. Like as of late, yeah, I've been playing with uh, rolling out my forearms and biceps, and like I've been able to restore a good amount of my grip and range of motion to turn my hand under. Um, and it's helped me, and I, I, I had you do that a little bit. Yeah, no, it what helped. Once you kind get
1: your grip. You don't really have to train it again. It'll still be there. But if you went back to trying those same grip exercises, you'll be weak as shit off them.
0: Yeah. I think some of my grip was actually kind of lost from all the heavy uh, shirted benches over the years. I think I just... So much
1: pressure. I've heard of that.
0: I think it just beat the ever-living crap out of my arms. And it's hard for me with my left hand. It's hard for me to really, you know, bear down and squeeze on something. But uh, I I don't bitch too much because... um, yeah, I'm still able to do all the things. Nobody that,
1: cares. Yeah, no
0: one cares. Yeah, that's that's one thing. But the other thing is just that uh I'm having fun. You know, like I got bumps You're not and bruises. Train if it's I got not this fun. and that, but it's uh the best still a times of, of our
1: lives are going to be in the gym.
0: Yeah. We're too much of
1: meatheads. Yeah, I'm fine being a meathead. I love it. <laughs> I agree. Look at look, what's The Rock. He has like his own gym that he travels oh, around God. with and stuff. And that's the, even with lack of sleep, he'll go in and work out because that's the one thing that keeps him grounded because he's a muscle head just like everyone else. Well, you know, I
0: what I always kind of say is the less that you do, the less you want to do. The yeah. more that you do, the more you want to take on. You're like, sure, what's next? Mm-hmm. Like you landed here. You're like, let's podcast. Let's train. You want to do you're, stuff.
1: Yeah, you're, you're in shape though. Right. Right. You can do a lot because when you're in shape physically, mentally, you're even better off. What was something that uh,
0: drove you during these times? Because um, I forget, I used to I used to obsess over the numbers. I, I forget even what they look like anymore. But, I mean, you were outlifting most. Super heavies. Uh, uh, yeah, well, you're outlifting super heavies. People in your own weight class, you're out totaling by two, 300 pounds. Okay, 400 pounds. <laughs> you're out totaling people by 400 pounds. Yeah. Um, what makes even kind of like care? Like what? Just
1: what? What was driving I, you? Back I then? didn't care what anyone else did. I only cared about myself. Not not like in a selfish way. I yeah. only I only cared about my numbers. I never wanted to deadlift. Set out to deadlift nine hundred or this number or that number. I just continuously got better, and the process worked because I I paid attention to it. Every every workout, every set, every rep I ever did was not for a purpose. Everything I did had a purpose to it, and it worked. It wasn't just okay. I'll just do this today because I don't want to do this. No, I have to do this. And you take and you and you you know.
0: Yeah. When you um when you look back at some of this stuff, um, is there uh, you know, because you had a, a, an amazing powerlifting career, and then at some point the career's got to stop. You get banged up. You get injuries, and it's just everything ends at some point. Things end, but when you look back now, and now because of uh, social media, you're still on everybody's radar. It's a good way to stay relevant. You're doing seminars now, and people still want to hear from you and know what you're doing. When you look back, is there any, you have any kind of regrets? Uh, that maybe you didn't, like, take it all in better? or You didn't, like, understand almost what was going on? Or, or did you I, feel like the, that you lived I was, it up? A-
1: I was probably better off not understanding and, mm. you know. You might have got caught up in some well, bullshit see, otherwise. You know, when I was a little kid, I had no hand-eye coordination. So I was going to IIT, Illinois, Illinois Institute of Technology, at night with, like, horse blinders on and glasses trying to learn how to bounce a ball in in a, in a line and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, for real. And I was already, always people a, like Smokey would
0: call that retarded, which I don't. I don't think is the right thing to call it, Smokey. I think it's not rude.
1: anymore. <laughs> so I was, yeah, I was. Sorry, that he's so quarters. rude. By the way, he just. I know he, he is. He's such. He's a, angry. He's so vocal. Yeah, he's <laughs> I think it all has to do with lack of deadlift. Yeah. How do you? How do you think you were able to stay so focused for so long? I think it. it everything is from when you're a kid. So I was really introverted as a kid. And I, I was tiny. I got teased a lot and stuff like that. And I think you, your coping me- mechanism end up being a laser focus. Okay. Where I could walk up to a bar and this is all I'm thinking of the whole time. When I went in the gym, when I trained, when I did all that stuff, anything relating to training and stuff, it was this. Nothing else mattered. You... And everyone says, well, you have to give up this to be a champ. You have to give up that. You have to make these sacrifices. I think that's absolute positive bullshit. I think everything we did and everything we got out of it was a, a blessing and a reward for what we really wanted. That's the lifestyle we chose because we loved it. Mm-hmm. So everything, we didn't give up anything. We gained everything we did. Yeah. Our, our, we gained from everything we did or as people say gave up, that wasn't even in the equation. It, it's it's every it was a gift being able to be in the gym and being able to make that progress and and doing that stuff. so I didn't give up anything
0: this uh, this footage that's on here right now um, that was my last meet yeah it's it's my it's my favorite video to watch because it's all just veteran experience like that, it,
1: that's when my hips were starting the to strength
0: go. the strength is still there. I mean that's it's obvious that the strength is still there, but you you don't have it physically. No. You don't have it at all. No, my my my, my right hip was already starting to go. You can't walk. So uh yeah. Like you it was you pretty... shuffled up to the platform for this deadlift <laughs> and you just fucking squatted nine thirty nine or
1: something like that. Yeah, nine thirty one. And uh I could that's bar- insane. I, I could barely bench anything. So I put a loose shirt on and I benched like five oh one or five twelve that day. And uh I just pulled like five ten. Was any of this driven by, you know, you mentioned
0: the way that you were as a kid. Was any of this driven by like, I'm going to show you motherfuckers.
1: I'm going to show everybody kind of what what I'm made out of, what I can do. The last meet it was, um, my cousin who did my knee actually came, uh, the surgeon, he actually came to that meet. And mm. After I got done squatting, he said, see you later. I saw enough, <laughs> left. But it was it was, I had to prove to myself that I could still do it. Mm. I had more in the squat. I had more in the deadlift. But I knew it was time, and I knew I had to stop. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to keep going. You just become a tragedy then. You don't become, <laughs> you know, it's just pitiful to watch. And I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. And I knew it was just time. Your body can only handle so much for so long before it says, fuck, I'm tired. You right. need to rest.
0: When you retired, what was something that was... uh gratifying or satisfying to you uh, that you found? Cause you got to kind of replace it with something. And there's no, there's no direct replacement, but you gotta get At something first, in there. first
1: it was really tough cause it sucked. Cause you can't be the guy that you want to be, that you used to be, I should say. In your mind for a long time, you still think you got it. yeah. But you don't, yeah. as soon as you try to start going heavy for too long, your, your body says, no, don't do this, dude. And then you have to replace it with a different kind of training to set your mind. Mm. But actually I said that wrong. Your, your mind has to set the tone for your body. right? Because you have to think and believe it for, and accept it. Accepting it is the hardest thing. Mm. But once you accept it, you're free, man. You can do whatever you wanna do. And now you can go back in the gym, And train how you did when you were a kid and love it and not have to worry about those numbers. You'll still be strong because you still have that base from being a strong power lifter. Your your bone structure and tendons and ligaments are still strong as hell. When I had my last hip replacement for my cousin, which was like just a few days ago, the the two-year anniversary... Hmm. the hardest part, well, besides keeping me breathing, the hardest part of the surgery was my bone density was so thick that it took him an extra 30 to 45 minutes to do the surgery. And, you know, for us, that's like a badge of honor. Right. And so you're you're always going to have that. But then there's certain parts that can't really do what you used to do. But you always have that same structure. So you figure out what can I do to replace this powerlifting training that will still keep me Enthused to be able to do what I want to do in the gym and keep me happy.
0: Yeah, that's kind of hard part is like trying to find that motivation. Because before you're so driven by the numbers and you're like, okay, I did this at my last meet. Time to reload, time to we, rebuild. We
1: can't always just go in the gym and pump. There has to be some type of purpose to <laughs> yeah. it. Or usually like some type of number related. So now it can just be reps and technique. Mm-hmm and feel, right. and then it's not just about the numbers any, any, anymore. It's, I wanna be healthier. I wanna feel good. I wanna be able to sleep. I wanna be able to walk without pain. Yeah. And then it shifts. But then you realize too that, you know what? If I can actually get healthy, I can lift and do whatever the hell I wanna do. And you can still lift pretty, pretty well. Pretty, it, yeah, and you can satisfy your own ego. You can still lift some weights how you used to and have fun. You enjoy it because you you just let it all go and now you're free. We've had uh, Amadeo Novella on the podcast before,
0: and he works with a lot of fighters. And he said his whole job is dedicated to making people feel better. He's like, when people come in for strength and conditioning stuff, he's like, yeah, there's going to be some workouts that are tough uh but my job is to make these guys that fight for a living they're working on their striking they're working on their um their jiu they're wrestling they're working on all these That's different things uh, capital strength right yeah he's a really nice man yeah working on mobility working on all these different things they got their nutrition they have their own lives they got tons of shit to worry about he's like the last thing i need is have them be overstressed from something that we did yeah so in this
1: period of time how do i make them feel good about it with a good workout yeah. that will be functional for them. Marcus gave me three exercises at the
0: end of the workout the other day, and uh, I thought I was going to die, but it was all just like movement stuff. He was able to pop in and out of them pretty easy, and they were really difficult for me. But th- those are the kind of challenges I'd like to try to take on more so I can move better, mm-hmm. I can feel better, so it's easier to tie my shoe. Did you ever see some of the stuff
1: Dorian Yates does now?
0: Yeah, he does with yoga, yoga and stuff yeah. like that. He
1: goes, "This is something I never dreamed I'd be able to do." Yeah. And a lot of it is just body movement because it makes him feel good.
0: It's so ridiculous. I think I have to do that because I I just don't like the mobility stuff. So I need to go to like a class where I do that for like an hour or ninety minutes or however long, however long those damn things are.
1: Yeah, you, you have a you have a class here. You have one teacher come in and have everyone jump in. Smoky, can you teach? Oh, of course.
0: Get him some uh get him some hot pants and Super
1: mobile. Oh, yeah. you know, oil get him off best the best I've ever
0: seen. Oil oil boy. Um so with such a huge squat, I know all the people that are watching right now, they want to know how they build their own squat. Um I really like a lot of the stuff that you say when you talk about getting into a competition. First of all, anybody listening Just go, just get yourself in a competition. If you're too shy to do one, just go to one first, just check one out, try to find a coach, find somebody in your area, learn more about it. You'll love it. And then sign up, just sign your ass up, put put your ass on the line for a powerlifting meet. But I've always liked what you said is uh, it's all about the foundation. And after every competition, no matter how strong, how weak or how, whatever you are, it's time to uh, work on building that foundation up bigger.
1: It's it's as your strong points are always going to be here. Your weak points are always going to be here. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is you can't let your strong points get this much farther ahead without bringing your weak points up. Yeah. Or else you're dead. No, it's, it's pretty
0: simple because, you know, the, the more that that gets skewed, you start to lose athleticism.
1: You start to lose health. Um, you start to lose mobility. When I was at 220, I could actually still run, jump, and climb and do all that crazy stuff. I could actually take one one step and touch a rim on a basketball, Jesus. but then after a period I think of time, that's called a rim job. Yeah, is that what that is? In a different way, <laughs> Andrew, you want to look that up for us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Google rim job. Okay. Backslash smoky. <laughs> the, but when I got when I went up in body weight. And the reason I went up in body weight was to lift more weight, but to keep me healthy because I was getting lean at 220 where it was going to be really dangerous. Mm. So I went up in body weight. That's Dangerously the, lean. Yeah. I've never felt that in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, like, uh, you ever see like, uh, <laughs> what was the bodybuilder? Uh, John Paul Fuchs or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. When John he blew Care out Fuchs, both yeah. legs, he yeah. was getting ready for a contest and- uh, I believe he went too heavy for a photo session mm-hmm. in a squat, and both knees blew out. You 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 can't he was too too lean to lift those yeah. weights. And Andreas Munzer, they
0: say that he basically died from being too lean. Yeah, which is, which is fucking insane. not enough fluids, not enough fat. Right. That's why uh, Mohammed Benaziza died. Did you have to do anything um, you know special you know after each competition or? Um, when you were done to each competition, like, did you take a week or two off? Or was I anything? tried
1: it was and it actually hard. made it work worse. So yeah. like if I lifted on a Saturday or Sunday, by Tuesday, I'd go in the gym and do some light squats and benches. Then on Thursday or Friday, I'd do some light deadlifts. Then I was ready to start right away on, on the, the following week. Cause I was all, all, I was in shape. Yeah, I was really strong. I wasn't beat up, but that helped me recover.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Did you care about anything else?
0: No, just just all powerlifting all the time. That's all I wanted to do. Just powerlifting and Haga and that came. She later. Your your parents?
1: Well, she always, always been, comes
0: later than me. You've always you. But <laughs> uh, your parents always been, been a big part of your life. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, and, and they they've
1: gone to like every meet, right? I, I took them with them, me to Austria before too. That's so cool. And then after that, we on the way back we we spent like three days in England and got to see like a uh francis lloyd weber play um, on their version of broadway in the castle and the food and everything else it was pretty cool that is that is uh my mom would actually be awesome they would never sit in the front row because you know you're gonna spot your parents no matter what and my mom knew that she couldn't yell anything out as much as she wanted to she knew that's the one voice i would hear you'd be squatting and then you'd go (laughs) <laughs> you know, you do it because yeah. the, the, the mom voice right away. And, you know, usually mom, dad, you're dad, embarrassing me. Yeah. So she, <laughs> she would kind of like hide behind someone and watch. And in between the tests, my dad would be there with the paper. That's, that's
0: awesome. Yeah. Uh, any other family members get to see you lift a lot?
1: Uh, my brother, my brother came to one of my meets at one at 198 mm. that was in Chicago and all my buddies, old buddies came, my childhood buddies, and they were on the back drinking beer with my brother. <laughs> and I missed my second attempt squat, which was 8.59. I just fell forward. So I ran out right away to the bathroom in the, in the hallway. And uh, I'm going to the bathroom. and My brother walks up, blasted. next The urinal next to me goes, nice lift, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to come back and get the, get the next one. That's the way brothers are always yeah. there to keep uh, think I think, I think my sister's. I uh, have seen it in uh, my nieces all came to my last one in Vegas, which was pretty cool.
0: What are uh, some of your favorite exercises? Like what, what's your favorite exercise period?
1: I used to say, well, back in the day it was uh, whatever didn't hurt. I was good. Yeah. Cause I, then I was, I knew I'd be good at it. Right. Um, Probably the deadlift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was really good at squatting, but uh But I was good at both styles of deadlifts, whether it was uh, conventional, deficit conventional with no belt, uh, stiff legs, uh, deficit, sumo, it didn't matter. I was always good at that. What do you think built your deadlift up the most? Deadlifting. And then it was bent rows. Brian Schoonfeld, the old strongman, and we would actually have bent over row contests. We would cycle like our heavy compound movements and all the exercise and all the lifts. Um, all our assistance lifts, we would cycle them just like a regular squat, bench, or deadlift. Hmm. So we would have them peak at the same time as our other lifts. <laughs> so you know, it was it's, it's basically like, oh well, you shouldn't do that. You're going to overtrain. Uh, how do how do people do a shako program? Yeah, they get in shape. Right. So we we made ourselves get in shape. The way we wanted to prepared yourself to be able to handle whatever's coming next. Yeah, and we just built on that and built on that. And but I mean, I remember doing bent over rows with no belt in with uh, five seventy eight or something Jeez. for doubles. We used to do. Jesus, and we used course. to have cha- you know challenges like that. And obviously, there's some body English going on, right? There's a little bit because if you, we'll, we'll show in some video stuff tomorrow. That's at one ninety eight in Hawaii in nineteen eighty five. I was still actually uh, 21 years old. Pretty jacked. Yeah. I was hot. That's the first (laughs) meet I bench pressed 501.
0: Hmm. I love this. uh, This is amazing. Like we need to get a singlet for Smokey.
1: Like that? Have his titties out. out. Those tiny little nipples. Yeah. Oh, they're not tiny. Oh, no, no, no. He's got like silver dollars. You see behind me, that was Ted Arcidi. He was my roommate at that meet. (laughs) Ted Arcidi first got a bench 700 pounds. Yeah. He did 705 in that meet.
0: He said he kind of regretted later on even wearing a bench shirt. He kind of just wore it just because uh, it was kind of an Inzer thing, so he just chucked it on. Yeah, that was that was. Pretty <laughs> I was ripped too. It looked like you lift the most efficiently at that body weight.
1: That yes, that and at two twenty, I was the strongest. Yeah, your body just seemed to just move, move well. Also, behind 20, me right 21. there is Bill Sino. Hmm. Bill Ceno is like the only guy to win a national championship in bodybuilding, powerlifting, and Olympic weightlifting, I believe. Oh, my they God. He actually beat Sergio at a contest in uh, for the most muscular. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, it's cool back then how they that
0: a lot of these guys did a lot of different mm-hmm. things. You know, a lot of guys would powerlift oh, or be strong men. Yeah. And
1: Bill actually, that's Doyle Kennedy uh, coaching oh, me yeah. there too. Give me some words. He pulled 900 pounds, right? Yeah. yeah. He was uh, or a... Uh, Bill Cino shook so much in the squat that you see those big glasses on his head they actually popped off his head one time at uh, Ernie Francis in the basement. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It, it's cool
0: watching some of these uh some of these some of these old videos. Do you miss it a lot?
1: I miss the feeling of being the tight and the strong there. Mm. But uh, I don't miss having to go through it all because yeah. I've done it, and just thinking about how much it would hurt right now mentally and physically.
0: <laughs> yeah, and also you're around it. You know, you're around yeah. it all the time. And I, I, I mean,
1: I, I love it, yeah. and I, I actually love pretty much all the people involved in it. Right, and like you said, when you it. it I used to be a really angry little fucking troll, <laughs> and my life got so much that's easier. Whatever, my life got so much easier when I just relaxed and be yeah. nice. Yeah, you don't hold anything in anymore. It's like, okay, you don't like me, fine, that's fine. I don't care anymore. Yeah, I'm having kinda, fun, you know, I'm enjoying
0: my life, and it's my life the I, way I want to live It's it. funny, that's what everybody always says about you. And I'm like, well, it's easy to be nice when you've kicked the shit out of everybody.
1: <laughs> well, the old days, yeah. Now I uh, I think I, I appreciate the lifting in the competition. Hmm. When I watch it, I can appreciate what they went through. Yeah. And when they lift, it's like, as they're like deadlifting, I'll be like going like this. In my seat, picking my chest <laughs> and my head up, and you know, you 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 have that that feeling never leaves your brain. You right. know exactly how it's how it's going to feel, and uh, oh, I there's nothing about it I don't love. You mentioned uh, bent over row being one of your favorites
0: for deadlift. What's another favorite?
1: Behind the neck presses seated, I love those. I think those carry over carry over really well and helped my bench really well. The problem people have with them is. They don't have the mobility to do them, and they start right. off too heavy. Well, I, I was doing them for a million years since I was a kid. Yeah. So I conditioned myself to do that. Yeah, we watched this the other day. You did 400, I think, for a double. Yeah. No, for one, I did 370 for two doubles. Then I said, you know, I got to do 400 for a video. Seated uh, behind the neck. you go down to about your ears or so? Just a, barely yeah. below my ears, and that was enough, especially with my, you know, ape-like arms. hmm it's
0: still it's still a, still a pretty uh, long range of motion, and then on the bench press, you know, people, uh, you know, they they see your bench uh, lower than uh, you know some people today, but they they uh, lose sight of that you're you know two hundred twenty pound lifter, uh, and also um, it was you weren't relying much on a bench shirt back then. No, the old school ones gave you like ten fifteen pounds. Yeah, took some stress off your shoulders, but you bench the same amount in and out of a bench bench shirt. Is that right? Yeah. You did a, what, 585 as your best touch and go in training?
1: I did a a pause raw with 565, but I did a pause raw with my feet up in the air at 550. Wow. So I really didn't, it was just a flat back bench. Yeah, I
0: think I've seen a video of you doing close grip with like 545 for.
1: Yeah, it was a 520 for two.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great video because you got such a long you got such a long uh, stroke when you're benching, but you you do it kind of effortlessly, from what you, I remember. I,
1: you make yourself strong from every angle, right? So where's your weakness? And you got one? No.
0: Yeah, there's five oh five. I mean, it just mm-hmm. looks like it's freaking launched out of a cannon. I
1: I used to a lot of times touch and go my benches, but I'd pause my close grips and inclines because mm-hmm. it was less stress, right. You know, I find it uh, interesting um,
0: when people are just uh, intuitive like that. You know, um, uh, who was it? Um, Ronnie Coleman. You know, Ronnie Coleman, they said, you know, why, why don't you lock out your, you know, when you have the dumbbells, why don't you lock them out? Why don't you go in full range? And he said, because it hurts. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Next question.
1: Yeah, that, well, see, I didn't have any authority telling me What I was doing was wrong. Right. So I was fortunate in that regard. Well, first of all, you learn the hard way. So you learn your way, which is gonna work best for you, and what feels natural for you. Right. What felt I didn't I didn't have anyone teach me how to do sumo. I felt and wiggled and felt the right spot that felt felt the best. And that's what I went with. Um I'll just throw out some questions for him, like
0: uh, some frequently, you know, questions that you and I run into when people ask. So I'll, I'll kick it off with, uh, my butt shoots up in the in uh, a deadlift. What do I do?
1: Usually, what happens is they're loose. When you drop down to the deadlift, you have to take the slack out of the bar. So you pull against the bar and you pull your body tight into it. But you can't lose go of that. If you lose that everything crumbles right away
0: stay connected
1: yes exactly exactly you you connect with it and you wiggle you know like Mm. you know like the the duffin thing what duffin told you how i wiggle in to get my hips closer to the bar you're wiggling into a tighter more perfectly efficient position to make everything work at the same time Mm. your whole body has to work at once in order for it to go up properly it can't be oh legs oh then back. It all has to work together as one chain. I think it's good advice
0: because a lot of times it's uh, a lot of times people are like oh it's an exercise your you know
1: glutes are weak or and they overanalyze who, it too who much. Who knows? It's
0: hard to figure any. They of overanalyze.
1: Out. What you do is you you, you you start with them light cut you, the weight down. Yeah, and then you and you build it up properly. Use right. usually a technique flaws are the reason for everything. Right. and same in the squat you know you can you can have someone and and say no do this with your your grip no okay now i want you to bend the bar squeeze your lats and pull your triceps into your lats and pop up your sternum okay <laughs> now that had a domino effect and five of the things you were doing wrong and are fixed yeah so it wasn't all oh, your rhomboids were weak and this is you know this is off and, you know, it's no, it's just, usually it's a technique flaw. A,
0: uh, a comparison would be, um, you know, every time I throw, like if you're a professional football player, every time you throw a five yard out, it gets picked off and goes the other way. And you're thinking, you know, your coach is telling you that it's it's your footwork. Your technique is off. It's your footwork. But you're working on your arm strength because mm-hmm. you think you need to throw the ball harder. And it's, it ends up being all about efficiency. Yeah. If you can move better. You gotta lift
1: better. That's with every sport. It's uh, biomechanics. Yeah. Every single sport you do, how you run, how you jump, how you throw, how you hit, how you all, all of it. It's all the same. I'll throw out a question to him. Yeah, uh, like when people ask, like, how do you stay tight in the bench, in the hole? Like, how do you engage your lats? If you, I never thought about. I have to engage this or engage mm. that. If if I would squeeze my butt, pop my sternum up as high as I could. What, look what happens the effect on your back and on your lats the higher it gets mm. yeah you just squeeze, you, you can't push your, no, your you, chest you, up you, with that you don't even have to try to squeeze it if you just pick this up and keep picking it up mm. and keep picking it up almost like that without I as much massage i feel that
0: <laughs> should i put this between it just a closer <laughs> there no, a
1: little bit no. huh? and then it stay and then and then it and then it stays <laughs> and then it stays tight. Mm-hmm. So if if you have to consciously try to do that, Smoky, it out. won't work. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have to consciously try to do it. It's all in the setup. It right. really is. Yeah. You shouldn't have to think I want to engage my lats. If you if, if you do that and try to engage your lats right away, you're going to go like that. Mm. So if you keep this up do a, do a curl with a barbell pretend. Yep, without joking. Do a standing overhead press. Yep. When you do a squat, when you do a bench, when you do a deadlift, every exercise, this yeah. is the factor. Yeah, it has mean. to stay up because look what it does to the position of your shoulders. Like look how it locks up your back <laughs> and your whole core. Yeah. Just keep that up. Which is just good posture. Yeah. But it's, it's your body's way of protecting itself. You're protecting your back,
0: your shoulders, everything. You have some uh, exercise you have people do sometimes, like, because, uh, you know, back years ago, they used to say big chest, you know, when you would go to do a squat to try to really lock it in. Um, it seems like the deadlift ends up being the same way. and It seems like the bench is the same way, right? We need it pretty to, much
1: is. It's 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 just different cues that mean the same thing. Right. Whatever. That's why some somebody will get to, somebody's voice will get to you as it, compared to someone others because right. they give the right cue. Right. And do you have any uh, particular exercise you like
0: doing for that? Is there any sort of like row or face pull or stretch or anything like that?
1: Nothing that I ever thought of. It was mm-hmm. just how to position myself in the lift. Just do it while you're lifting. Yeah. yeah. And then, then, then it comes down to after that is what are the exercises that will benefit me based on how I lift that I feel best to help me get in that position. You're able stay to stay in that position. You were able to arch really
0: well, like your your upper and mid back when you'd squat. Mm-hmm. You Attribute that to anything other than just squatting heavy and. I, wigg-
1: a few- I I w- wiggled into the weight, mm. so when I when I set up a squat, I actually almost fell off my platform and killed myself. <laughs> <laughs> is is Again. I would put the left shoulder under first, pop it up, put the right shoulder over, pop it up, then step it underneath it, and now I would pop everything up. And if you look at it from the back, you'll be able to see how your whole back just locks up. Now, as, as long as you can hold that, your position, even if you bent over or whatever, you're still in a position to be able to to do the weight in the squat or deadlift because the back doesn't break. Mm-hmm. It's impossible.
0: Just Yeah, it just doesn't uh, bend.
1: No, it won't. What about um, some assistance movements for the uh, squat? For me, a high bar closer stance up in the off season was best because my hips, hamstrings, and back were so strong as compared to my, my quads. Mm. So that I, I would still, the only assistance exercise that helped me for the squat bench deadlift the most were variations of that lift. So then they would actually transfer over easier. So for bench, uh,
0: you know, watching some of those old videos, it was close grip bench usually. Yeah. Close grip
1: bench, bench with your feet up, heavy inclines in a certain way. And then for your uh, deadlifts, a lot of times it was just a stiff leg deadlift. Stiff leg deficit deadlift, mm. um, no belt or conventional deficit, no belt. And then uh, in the squat, like you said. I high bar, closer high bar. stand squats.
0: You didn't really mess with pause squats, right? Like, I, I
1: I didn't mind pause squats. Pause squats are, are good for, as a training tool, to keep you, teach you how to stay tight in the hole. Mm. And what they do is they fix your squat. If you have to stay tight on the way down, stop on the bottom, hold your breath, still stay tight before you push, and then when you push, the only way for you to stay in perfect position. Is for everything to be perfect at yeah. the same time. If this happens, you know you're not you're not using your back or you're using too much leg or you're not using your legs and not using your back one or the other. Hmm. The, the, the biggest problem people make in the squat is they think it's only a leg exercise. So all they do out of the hole is they try to push with their legs. They don't use their back. Well, if there's not, just like the deadlift, if there's not an even push going down, which is your legs, and an even pull going up, which is your back, your hips won't come through, kind of like a hinge on a door. Yeah. They have to come through. They won't come yeah, through with one people or the other. Pretty often, like, don't be afraid to use your back. No, you got like to. It's, it's, it's where it's where the weight sits. It's the yeah. base of everything. <laughs> it's what makes us strong. You know, if if you have a bad shoulder, you can walk around, you can function. If you have a bad knee, you can do the same. If you have a bad lower back, you're screwed. That's true, and that's pain. Yeah. So if you can if you can lock that and make it healthy and build that, then everything else falls in place.
0: About how many exercises would you do? Uh, in a given workout.
1: Three to four. Because the main lift takes a while, right? Yeah. If you lift, if if you hit that main lift, how you're supposed to in the numbers, you accomplished a certain amount of work already with intensity. And for you, if you could come back and put the same intensity into all these other exercises, well, you didn't do that first exercise how you're supposed to. Mm. That's why the other ones are called assistance exercises they just you know just dotting the i's crossing the t's yeah. making sure everything transfers over and is strong your weak points aren't as weak anymore but that's how you bring them up did you uh use any visualization in your lifting career uh on the let's see after i left the gym till i got in the gym it was all visualization mm-hmm. all the time but i can visualize it and feel it Hmm. At the same time, yeah, that's the important part because then you're at, you're able to identify from the moment you walk up to the bar, which was going to be the same every single time. When I didn't squat and deadlift for two years after my first hip replacement, when I walked up to the bar, I took the same exact steps, got under it the same way, and took it off. It felt like home. Hmm. It was so perfect that it didn't feel like anything again. But so you gotta you gotta do everything the same way all the time. It, the way you're going to compete right. but i had the steps how i put my hands on the bar how i wiggle under the bar everything was always the same so that part of the lift was always done so it wasn't that's was confidence walk up to the bar you knew you could get tight walk it out walking out was easy for me now all you got to do is just go down and come up
0: yeah i remember watching those videos of you walking the weights on just look like you're shot out of a cannon Practice it right. <laughs> I was like, it's I, practice. I, was like, I don't think I'll be able to do it that way.
1: Yeah, like, you just you look know, like you almost fell. You no, know, the, the controversy with guy with the monolift and that. Of yeah. course, you can lift more with a monolift that you don't have to walk out. But that doesn't mean a guy that uses a monolift can't learn to walk it out and squat big weight. Right. People forget that they use it as. Everyone wants to use it as an excuse.
0: Yeah, and look at uh, you know, like Milanichev, like he he would still partially use it. You know, he would he would kind of halfway walk. Yeah, it out. Yeah, he still walks cause... it out,
1: but. I have a. I actually use a monolith mm-hmm. back at the gym. Peter? Yeah, but I, I I walk it out. But it's so much easier to walk out of a monolith because it's so big and you got so much room that yeah.
0: it's safer. Well, sometimes those other racks you might lean into, mm-hmm.
2: you know, unless you don't get uh, far, far no, enough No thanks. You got some questions popping up over there, Andrew? Yeah, real quick from. I mean, it says his name is Mario Lopez. I don't know if he is the <laughs> Thanks Mario for joining Lopez. Us, Mario, yeah, yeah, yeah appreciate hey, it. Big fan. Uh, he wants to know um, some advice on fixing hip, hip tilt in the in the squat. mean leaning forward, probably. Maybe. Yeah, he didn't specify. Well, I'd have Could to be s-
0: talking about like that butt wink deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know. If if there's nothing wrong with a butt wink. Yeah. If you go low enough, you're going to have a butt wink. If you if you have a closer right. stance, you're going to have a butt wink. It's no big deal at all. He, he's just got to make sure his, his groin is open. Mm-hmm. Open the taint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's got to lock his back in or else what's going to happen is that if, if that's the tilt he's talking about this way, then what happens is he doesn't stay he doesn't open up so he closes he closes his hip and locks up his hip flexors Knees so coming. they don't nothing open so the hips don't rotate like this mm-hmm. if your hip don't rotate like that you're not using your hips which aka your butt and your hamstrings aren't going to activate on the way down so the first thing you do is going to be bend over yeah it becomes like a two part lift yeah mm-hmm.
2: yeah you guys want to get into diet at all
1: we but, could try. Yeah. It was just an early <laughs> yeah. question. Somebody was
2: just wondering if uh, he's more in, than me. Yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts were on the carnivore diet cuz that's something we've been talking a lot I, about lately. I never
1: did it. What I what I will say when I when I was talking to Mark early is everyone has their own opinion about what's healthy and what's not. Mm-hmm. A better alternative is always going to be healthier. His brother Chris used to be puffier and soft. This is the first time I ever Saw Chris, both mentally and physically, look way better than he ever has. End of story.
0: Yeah, I think uh, uh, when it comes to a carnivore diet or a keto diet, they're, they're mainly for losing weight. Um, that's kind of, in my opinion, it's mainly what they're for. And I do think that you need rice, you need potato. You want to lift big weights. So you, I, I just think that you need carbohydrates. And I've been saying that for a very long time. Yeah, it's and a, I think that What's people, your goal?
1: Yeah. And what is going to be sustainable for you in the future? Right. There may be certain times where I'm going to do the carnivore or the keto for either so many weeks or so many days out of the week, and I'm going to have a day or two where I eat a little more carbs. Right. Right. Then it becomes a little more sustainable. Right. And still healthy.
0: Right. And then also too, if, if you're if you're somebody that is totally uncomfortable with your body and you, you don't feel like you're in the shape that you want to be in, then put a freeze on your strength for a little while. Just don't, just don't worry about it. Go ahead get and take, healthy first. take care of what you need to take care of. Go ahead and drop your weight and uh, your strength will come back and, um, you know, make a, have an ideal idea of how much weight you want to lose. You know, don't, don't think you're going to lose a hundred pounds and gain strength on your bench. You lose weight, any significant amount of weight. If you lose weight fast, uh, you're going to lose strength. Don't let anybody else tell you any different. That's just what happens. So
1: too many people get caught up with, if I weigh this amount, I'm a big, strong guy. And you may be stronger, but you're still fat. (laughs) 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 There's no replacement for being healthy. There's no replacement for being healthy. You may lift more for a certain period of time, but at the end of the day, eventually, you're going to have to get healthy to be able to live. And what we talked about earlier, if I am healthy, if my body's not hurting and I'm healthy, I can go in the gym and lift almost whatever I want because everything's working properly. That's the bottom line.
0: Yeah, and for for me during my career, I I lifted some heavy weights uh, without sleep and with shitty food, but uh, I would have lifted more weight. I would have lasted longer. I would have been able to do an eleven hundred pound squat. Would have been able to bench nine hundred pounds. I mean, I would have been more efficient, and uh, who knows? Maybe I'd have less. Maybe I'd be less banged up if I did it more efficiently. So um, that's the or you'd be the
1: same amount of banged up, but would have lifted a lot more weight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: But either way, it's good.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, that's it. actually I have a question for Marcus, though, because um, we've spoken in the past about like, because I have arthritis in my back. I use it as my number one excuse for being so skinny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you have arthritis in your back, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, what, yeah, so uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, how, like, what the hell do you do to yourself to fight through the
3: pain? Like initially? Yeah. Um most of the time just warm up yeah have a good warm up and then like i'm going to lift
2: mm-hmm.
3: like that's the bottom line i'm going to lift so i'm going to do something i want to do versus not doing something i want to do because i'm uncomfortable cuz like the arthritis will probably never go away you might feel better from day to day or be feel worse you know with weather or whatever or, like if you had to sit all day but mm-hmm. i mean if there's something you want to do and there's some discomfort versus not doing it and being equally as uncomfortable right why the fuck wouldn't you just do what you want to do also yeah that's how I look at it yeah it I, I don't think there's any like tips or tricks well, I'd just... say
0: also too for you Andrew just utilize the team you know yeah and you've been doing that
2: yeah
0: but I think you can even do it more often come in there go up to Smokey say what should I do come come in there go up to Marcus go up to me what what, what we'll did we talk
1: you. about earlier first of all about the teamwork exactly what Mark just said what does Marcus do on his off days <laughs> He sets himself up with all these other prehab, rehab Mm -hmm. stuff to be able to do what he wants to do. Right, and a lot of that is with with, if it's anything to do with the back, it has to do with uh, core stability and everything stability. So, like Stuart McGill stuff and some of the other stuff that Marcus does, the Big Three, you know, uh, uh, Kelly and what Chester does, and uh, that's mandatory because you have a special need. Right. So yeah. you can't treat it like a regular lifter. You have to pay, pay t- special attention to it. Mm-hmm. Marcus gets on the ground and he like rolls the barbell on
0: like his forearms and like on his fat legs and everything. And he just looks like a manatee he's on on his side and i always i always have other people check on him I'm like are they, you are, you know,
1: they, they are an endangered species I, I
0: <laughs> and uh i shot a couple of videos doing some other stuff in here and I, I don't even remember what it was but everyone was just so concerned about him they're like what happened to that fat guy in the background and he fell down
1: yeah who is that
2: <laughs> barbell <laughs> and it, knocked him out he's just know, laying man. on he's, the floor it's a bunch
0: of fucking haters
2: <laughs> they're just jelly
0: He's he's so thick that he's the same uh, height when he even when he's laying laying on the side. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, whether or not he walks through a door straight or sideways, it's going to bump. Exactly. Something's <laughs> going to bump. Like I that.
3: can't help it. Doesn't yeah. make any uh, doesn't make any difference. Yeah.
2: Uh, for whatever reason, some guy
3: named Marco asked Marcus when you're going to start cutting. Uh, cutting. So I'm going to be like keeping on the diet that I'm on right now and just slowly bring myself down, and then I'll cut two weeks out. Now, what's your diet
2: looking like right now?
3: Vertical diet. Nice. Yeah.
0: Vertical diet he's doing minus
3: a, the in and out stacked on top of each other
0: yeah he was framed miss <laughs> <laughs> he was misrepresented <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. you know if, 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 <laughs> if he takes it and puts it in his mouth you are not to blame
0: yeah I don't know I don't I'm not a I'm not a lawyer or anything there was know. no video
3: evidence of me eating those so
0: you just uh I just take some pictures of him here and there and try to uh, send them over to Stan and Stan gets so excited. <laughs> and, to, and to Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw is somebody that gets really disgusted when uh, when people aren't like just doing any and everything they can to be the best. Mm-hmm. He he absolutely just doesn't understand it.
1: As he, he should, that, that's his mindset. So. He,
0: he'll look at you and just shake his head. He's a total disappointment. He's like, what the?
1: It's like, well, what did you expect? Of course you missed. <laughs> so at the,
3: the SD Classic, it was hilarious. Uh, he saw me eating an apple fritter just fucking fat shame me. (laughs) That was gross. DJ Webb comes over and there was like this giant fucking donut and somebody challenged him to eat it. Right. And then, so he's talking about that. And like, Brian's like, well, did you finish? He's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, did you finish the donut? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, good for you. And I'm like, I just got fucking fat shamed. He, he ate a donut that was like three times the size of what I just ate. And you're giving him props. Life ain't fair. I saw a
1: guy eat two of them uh, at the place I was at. They were called, uh, uh, Dallas, because they were the size of Texas. So I, <laughs> I made two of them. Damn. That's a lot of donuts. Yeah. That make a lot you, of guy.
0: That'll make you barf. Oh. What's some of your favorite powerlifting stories that uh, that you've been around? Like what are some of the funny or cool
1: or like? Kirk Kowalski was always usually involved in yeah. a lot of them. <laughs> um, he was always a lot of fun. Always a lot of fun.
0: I remember you uh, telling a story about uh, him going heavier than you. You remember yeah, that one
1: at the uh, the '91 Nationals. When I told 2,400, I tried a 986 squat, which weighed out to be 991, but I missed it. And he tried a thousand and missed it, a thousand three. And after his squat, he came up to me and says, "Ha ha, I missed more than you did." <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Yeah, um, you know, being around some of these uh, some of these guys that just want to be the best. There's got to be some uh, aggression and stuff. You ever see any of these guys like get into it in training some or in the in meet or anything like that?
1: I, I've seen a lot of shit talking. Yeah. But usually when people meet in person, it's all gone. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially online. Right? Yeah. It's just so easy.
0: When uh, Powerlifting Watch was a big deal, I was telling these guys who the today used to go on there all the time and I'd troll everybody. Powerlifting Watch and, and
1: GoHeavy.com. Oh, yeah. That's that was, a good
0: yeah. one. That's a that yeah, that one has a lot, that one still has a lot of hate mm-hmm. flying around on I there. remember,
1: who was, who was the guy who did one of the first really big squats from Pennsylvania who- mm. uh, Oh, Miller. He, he, yeah. Mike and Miller. I, I remember he he got on there- He must have had some bad days and he was threatening all these people. Oh, shit. And these were like (laughs) friends of mine. So I threatened him back. And then I saw him in person and he pulled up in Chicago at like a bench America it was in this big truck. And I'm sitting on a bench outside and he pulls up and he just looks at me and I look at him. I said, what? (laughs) Hi. Yeah, you're like, what's up? (laughs) Nothing. It's just bullshit yeah, online. Just online. People People get heated
0: and they say stupid shit. I used to go on there and just uh, mess with everybody. Anytime anybody ever did anything, I'd go under there because uh, you didn't have to use your name or whatever on there, right? And so I'd just go on there and anytime anybody did a lift, I'd say, you're not Ed Cohn. Every time you're not Ed Cohn, then people would get mad at me and they'll be like, why is it got to be about Ed Cohn? Can't people be happy for, you know, this guy who just set a record. And I'm like, no, he's not. And I just keep talking shit and talking every time I'd put it on. So it.
1: You, you built like the Ed Cohn hater fan club. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Every time. And then people would say, this is probably like someone that uh, Ed Cohn pays. And like, it starts started all and kinds. I didn't even know you then. No, it started all kinds of bullshit. That's when you were smelly, the smartass. Not a lot has really changed. No, it hasn't changed that much, has it? It, it can't. What's your uh, kind of favorite uh, favorite thing that you ever did? Like most uh, thing you are most proud of? In, in powerlifting,
1: yeah. Um, longevity and all the friends I made. Yeah, I mean, lifting—you can get really great at lifting, and right. that's. Part of a lifter's legacy, but the person and the friends you hold on to. Right. You know what? I really wasn't a dick. (laughs) Just be nice to everyone and everything. You know, I got friends everywhere in the whole world. And like, you know, I go to Australia twice a year. We were just in Kuwait. I've been to all kinds of these other places. And uh, I get along with everyone. When I was in Australia, that's all they talked about. They were like
0: Ed Cone was here, and like he he lifted at this place. He ate over there. They like remembered everything. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a really good feeling to have. Um, have friends all over the world. Have people that are excited to Those see you. Those are some all of the place. the
1: Australians that I know are some of the nicest and ball bustingest people <laughs> I know that are an absolute riot. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, is it sometimes a little overwhelming
0: to you? I mean, you're just a, a short kid who's got bad coordination, who I'm worked short. hard. Yeah.
1: You're very, very short. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I just. Sometimes just like, huh? I just appreciate it. That's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm just Eddie. I don't know how to be anybody else. I'm right. just me, and that's it. Hi, how you doing? Hi. Did you ever get. Do you ever get sick of signing pictures? No, it would suck if I didn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it's if it all of a sudden it ended and everyone forgot, now now you you didn't do anything that at the beginning that gives you a legacy to last on. Right. Do you sometimes like it
0: when people don't know who you are? If you're like, you know, giving somebody a tip in the gym or something? if, or- if, if
1: I walk into a, a local meet, I'll still pay and walk in. I don't say, oh, mm. do you know where I am? Right, right. No, I said, just support people and just be nice. And But yeah, I, I've, I've had people come up to me. I was in the airport once. And the other year when I was coming back from Australia and going to Jesse's meet, mm. uh, stopped in LA and there was some kid who had some type of powerlifting shirt on from a college. And I sat next to him waiting for the next flight and I started talking to him. About powerlifting, and he had no idea who I was, and, awesome. I, and I never lit it on who I was. I just cu- kept talking to him about powerlifting; it was pretty cool.
0: He's probably so pumped to tell you about his three fifteen squat. Yeah, he had no idea, <laughs> no idea.
1: But you know, there's time. Right. You don't always have to say who you are. Oh, by the way, I'm this. You know, who cares? What are some of the goals now from a from a lifting perspective? I want to lift. I want to be able to do like five hundred for fifteen in the squat. The other day, I was going to do a whole bunch of reps at 500, and I pulled my calf. No, oh, no. I was so pissed because the weight felt so good. But I just started doing low bar squat again, so I know it was probably a little more lean and a little pressure on it. And it, the rest is just, you know, my, my shoulders haven't been the greatest for a while, but they're starting to get better mm. by not benching. Right. So, you know what? I'll do inclined stuff. I'll do right. a, a a bench press machine. I start off by doing flies, by activating my pre- pecs because my shoulders were so bad for so long that anytime I benched, my pecs wouldn't work. It just went right All to right. the shoulders. So my pec shrunk. So now I start off doing fly machine or something like that first. Now it tells my body, okay, these these this is what's supposed to work now. And then I go on to it fr- from there. And uh, in a deadlift, I can always deadlift some weight. So Hmm. Just having fun. Just, uh, just I want to look good around. and feel good. Right. Lift a little bit of weight. I don't have to lift the moon, but uh, maybe a little small star.
0: Right. And, uh, for some of the people that uh, maybe hopefully in the future will get a chance to go to a seminar that you're doing, what are some of the things that you're teaching? I know you're teaching a lot of bench squat, deadlift, yeah. technique. We, we, we,
1: we mainly give them a, a brief overview of what I'm going to do. And then I say, everyone start doing your mobility stuff because we're going to squat bench deadlift. As you go through that and you watch everyone do it because you're running around, boom, 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 all over the place, yeah. all, all over the place, which is you, you got to give them their, your money, their, what, what, what they're paying for. Right. And if you don't feel guilty, then you're a dick. <laughs> right. So you know you, you, as long as it takes is as long as it takes. Right. And usually in that period of time, you're correcting people and they're either setting PRs or they're realizing what they did wrong. So you're answering a lot of the questions that are relative as you're going along. And then afterwards, it's like gather around, guys. Usually by that time, everyone knows I'm just an idiot. I'm a regular guy just like them. I just lifted more weight and this is my game. Right. Now – they're more, they're, they're more apt to ask better questions. And then that's usually it. Now, when I do them with Stan, Stan jumps in and does a lot of the nutrition stuff and he will give them some different cues than I will give them. So we work together and keep working in and out. Like I'll watch this group and I do this with Josh Bryant sometimes too. I'll watch this group. He'll watch that group. I'll go over here. Then he'll watch my old group. I'll go to his old group. So we work together all the time. What's up with some of the martial arts stuff? Are you still doing that? It's it's more uh, counter violence, so it's more like what what's going to happen and demonstrate real on violence. Marcus. was what's, 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 like uh, if I
3: don't attack him, he can't use his counter violence on me. Oh, sure, I can. <laughs> then it's not counter violence. It is. Violence. It's violence. <laughs>
1: um, and it's it's I, I started it because you know it was like. J.K.D. and it morphed, morphed into uh, this guy, uh, Mike Van Beek, uh, focused Counter-Violence Stuff. And it's kind of all these martial arts mixed into one to how do I defend myself, defend, mm. um, against what could ha- possibly happen to me? I mean, we're not hanging out at a bar at 2 a.m., so we're not going to have to worry about that. Right. But you're going to have to worry about a carjacking, something that can happen in your business, a home invasion— what are you going to do if you walk into your house and somebody is beating the crap out of your wife Right. and he's got a buddy over there? You got to know what to do and how to approach that to be able to take care of him and worry about the next guy. Right. Or what happens if right now I just go, boom, how do you react to that? And what are you going to do? i cry. See, so, <laughs> yeah, so you learn, you learn. It's not like. We're going to square off. There's a power curve. Mm. The attacker is always at the h- height of the power curve. But how do you reverse that? Is right. to make him on the defensive. Then you get into the stuff. But there's, you know, all kinds of stuff built in. Which is some of it is, of course, MMA stuff. Right. But then when you get into elbows, headbutts, bites, eye jabs, when you learn how to use a weapon, mm-hmm. and then now the power curve shifts. Right, and that's what you want to do. You, you, you want to be able to walk into your house at night. You don't want to go to Costco and all of a sudden get jumped. You don't want some guy stomping, stomping on your head. You don't want someone. If what, what happens if someone busts into the office or something and says, "Give me all your money," right? You know, well, the first thing is to try to give me your money. <laughs> right, just go ahead, give them out, give them your car, whatever. But a lot of times, it's not going to work out that way because violence doesn't have rules. Yeah. So you get into other stuff, and I really like that. But I wanted to be able to move a little bit more athletically again, hmm. and that actually gave me a, a, a really good start. You train that way quite a bit still. Yeah, a couple
0: times a week, something like that. Yeah,
1: it it, it keeps me mentally sound.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I I really love the violence in the training. Yeah. But I, <laughs> it's not like anyone that wants to go out and fight is a fucking idiot. Yeah. Nobody wants to have to do that. Right. But you like to be prepared and it, it keeps me fresh and a little more athletic because I can actually move really, really quick if I have to, like during training and stuff. But uh, it's, it's just something that it's I- It's good to have a motivation. I, yeah. It. I had yeah. I had to do it. To, I'm, I'm not going to go out and play basketball or run stadium stairs, but I had to do something that was really cool. The first time I saw this guy, I was like, holy fuck, that's like watching the Born Identity movie. Yeah. But in real life- Then it's like, oh my God, that is so cool. Does he have a lot of wisdom or is he more just like training? Oh, no. uh, He was, he was, he's in the program. You know, he had a, he had a a drug problem when he was younger and a lot of people that are at top levels in that learned on the streets, they learned like a lot of martial arts stuff and then they learned on the streets how to apply that, which is a different kind of fighting. Right. Yeah,
0: there's it, there's a real tactical side to it. Sure, that's uh, that's it's it's, cool it's stuff. never
1: going to what what you'll never see is you'll never see like a jab. It's always going to be someone head hunting right. or someone grabbing a a bat or a board or jumping you or right. it's not ne- it's never going to be rules. It's always going to be someone their 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 motive is to take your money, beat you, rape your wife, kill you somebody. Think,
0: you think a lot of things like this should be like maybe. Taught in school or something? Like, do you think people should? No, you think this is like a skill that people not should from? Know?
1: Not I, I think like in a college level it could be alternative school because right, right. especially because girls that go to college, right? What are they gonna what, what are they gonna learn? You know, especially nowadays with the scumbags out there in every way, shape, and form, is what, what are they gonna learn? They, they got to yeah. be able to to protect themselves and feel good about themselves. So yeah, from in a college point of view, I could see it. But I mean you're never going to be able to get away with teaching kids something to do <laughs> violent yeah, when they yeah. you know you have a you know your 3-year-old kid walking up and headbutting some kid.
0: Do you uh do any jujitsu?
1: Some of some like of the ground some holds fighting. And things yeah, like that. some of the ground fighting is there, but then there's, you know, kicks and elbows and bites and all kinds of stuff on the bottom to change things. And Bites? Oh yeah. I'll show you later.
0: How do you practice I'm biting?
1: Okay. You kind of pretend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the old days, they used to stick like a stake underneath someone's shirt. So when, like, if if, yeah. if if Marcus, as you know, I can tell by his eyes, if he mounted me like he liked to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, if, if if I if I bucked him and grabbed his grabbed him around, I pulled him in and I bite him. So you would bite a stake underneath his shirt instead. Now, what
3: if you're into that though?
1: Well, then I'd lose. Yeah, he mm-hmm. just gets an erection. Yeah. Then what do you do? Yeah, take care of it. Fight ends. <laughs> so like if if I did that, what's you, what's your per, what's your first thing if I bite you? You gotta get away.
0: Yeah, too and much that, pain. And that's
1: the first first easy way when you push away to turn a guy, headbutt him, hit Do him whatever a couple else times. You want, yeah. 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 And for a woman, for a woman, you want to be her to be able to get a, a kick, an eye jab, an elbow, a, just a palm strike, mm-hmm. just enough for her to be able to get away. That's all right.
0: A lot of times, these uh, attackers too—they're not really—they're not looking for a lot of them. They don't want to struggle. No, a lot, a lot, a lot of, of them time.
1: aren't skilled. They want an easy target to get in and out. But they might really seriously beat the crap out of someone right. to get it. Right. Especially if you don't give it up. Right. They might be like,
0: "I'm already engaged in this. So I might as well go all the way." Yes, yeah, and you usually or shoot what, you or whatever. Yeah, usually that's a, that's what happens.
2: Yeah. yeah. I'll leave this question up for uh, anybody to answer, but there's a handful of people asking about. Which uh, steroids have helped over the uh, powerlifting careers of everybody up on the podcast right now?
0: Steroids. Oh yeah. my god! Well, obviously many uh, lifters use uh, testosterone, but um, you know, getting into you know what people take and everything is uh, a little bit of a, a hairy situation. And yeah, it's like uh, it's pretty basic though, too.
1: You know, every roid, I think, the basic of it is testosterone. Right. And it's when people start mixing and matching and making up these weird names of stuff they're taking and that that's when problems, more problems occur. Well, it, it, it always, uh,
0: you always have to go back to your training, you know, and people that are natural hate hearing that because they're like, oh, they think, they think there's some secret going on. But steroids do help. They do help you get stronger. Um but just adding in more and more without really knowing what you're doing is is a big mistake. And there's a lot of forums out there, and there's a lot of books. Uh, you can read about them further online to, to learn more. But most of what I've seen in the history of powerlifting and most of the people I've ever communicated with, uh, testosterone, DECA, D-ball, has always been a very standard stack for somebody to do for a powerlifting meet. From what I've heard. Basics. Yeah. Allegedly hmm yeah <laughs> that's what smoke's on smoke's on igf2 smoking it's IGF. something new yeah yeah,
3: yeah. i would say it's, it's
1: it's only grown body hair so far <laughs> it's <laughs> grown from fecal matter oh it explains his shitty personality <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. poor guy doesn't have a microphone he's can kill
2: him.
3: no nothing smoky I gave an opportunity yeah he's he's out of he's out of it out of his element but
1: if, if when we go back to that look at see in the old days they used to say well he can only do that because he takes something but look at the raw numbers now yeah 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 well raw, no yeah. look at the yeah. raw, raw numbers in the ipf in in like usapl right mm-hmm. look at look at some of the monsters doing some big lifts so obviously that's not really the all and be-all right or else you wouldn't have those guys Oh, it's insane. And that's, that's what I to say, too, is like not every guy
0: who's getting drug tested uh, could, pass, could pass all these tests all the time. So, like, there's got to be some of these people have to be. Uh, there's always going to be. Yeah, there's always going to be people that are doing them, right? But uh, my point is accept the possibility that some of the people that don't take anything are beating records that ha- have existed from people that were taking stuff.
1: Yeah, it's okay. Well, that, it. that, that would be that would just be your own fragile ego saying it can't yeah. happen. This guy, nobody wants to, you know. If, if your record gets broken, your record gets broken. It's nice that if it if it takes like thirty years to do it. Yeah, and the manner that it's done in, but to to use your own ego and say there's no one that can lift more than me unless he's juiced. Right. That's just bullshit. Some, you know, there's some guy on his farm picking up the cow and walking around with it that doesn't even know how to lift yet. Yeah. And, and if you think that you need to take
0: him to do a 700-pound deadlift, um, you definitely you definitely don't because there's a lot of people that are – Kayler woolen posted a video the other day, conventional deadlift 705. He's like, I don't know, 15 or 16 at the time. You know, there's a lot of people that are picking up big-ass weights uh, that are either getting drug tested or that are uh, new to the sport um, that – in my opinion, I don't think they touched anything. It's hard to really ever know. You don't yeah. really ever know. But, like, you look at someone like Jen Thompson. I mean, how many times has that woman been tested? She those shoulders? Yeah, there. It's it's amazing, but she's benching over three hundred pounds as a, as a female that mm-hmm. weighs like one hundred and twenty something pounds, one hundred thirty pounds, or whatever it is. So,
1: yeah, I think one thirty two or whatever the cutoff yeah. is
0: now. They changed the weight classes, but there's some remarkable weights. Uh, Kimberly Walford being moved around. And if you're young and you and you haven't ha- you don't have uh, much of a foundation, as we talked about earlier, uh, there's really no point in uh, looking into it.
1: No, just say, "Wow, nice lifting." <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> That's it. Got any questions over there, Andrew? How about some poop stories? I know you just took a picture in our, oh, uh, no, the, I, our I told Marcus
1: a, a, it was almost a disaster. We're disaster talking pants. We are mm-hmm. talking about cramping. Mm. And I said I was dining for a contest and I was having trouble pooping. Oh, no. So I'm sitting on the <laughs> toilet trying to push. Every ab I had locked up horribly in a Tighter and tighter. So I'm I go back trying to do a backbend, and right before they're about to pop loose, my erectors cramp up. So I'm like, oh fuck. So I go down here, abs cramp back up, push off the sink in the uh, windowsill, triceps lock up, and when I stand up all the way, my glutes and hamstrings lock up. <laughs> I hit the ground like whining in pain, trying to keep the, the turtle from getting out of the out of the shell back there. And my mom knocks on the door and starts coming in before I'm screaming at the same time, trying to keep it in. she like,
0: honey, what are you doing in there? Yeah.
1: The same thing she knocked on your
0: door when yeah. you were 13. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Anything else you want to leave us with here at the end?
1: Let's see. What did we learn today? You're a uh, short, short, no longer angry little troll. And you lost your trainer. God damn
3: it. I uh, win.
1: What if I buy you dinner? Mhm, that's better. There you, um, there you go. No, it's just we learned a, a a lot of basic stuff that's not put into play. Mm-hmm. We learned the value of sticking to routine, and that's like make up a routine that it has to be doable over time. Right. Each week has to build upon it. If if it's not where you start, it's where you finish, obviously. But you don't have to set a an all time world record every time you go out. You just have to build upon that. Let's say one cycle you started your squats off at five hundred. The next cycle, let's start you. Let's say you started off at five ten. Let's say the first week you did two sets of ten. You actually did two hundred more pounds total volume right then. Right. And then if you add in your assistance exercise and you went up on your assistance exercises now, so do that over twelve weeks and look at the amount of total weights you lifted over that time that you got this part of your peck, this part of your pack, this part of your shoulder, that part of your shoulder, both parts of your triceps, your biceps, your lats. Oh, I mean, touch me. Yeah. So you got all those parts strong. So in the end, look at what you built. Right. It's not like, oh, I just got my bench press up, you know, 10 pounds at the end. No, if you built all that in the end and all those parts get stronger and bigger, what did you build? You see see what I'm talking yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And that's, that, that's one of the biggest values I think I did. And I just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. But at the same time, you, what was that movie with Jim Carrey, 23, oh, where yeah. like when he <laughs> walked in his room and he had all those numbers all over the walls, yep. I would do that with routines. I had hundreds of pieces of paper.
0: Get had everything all written. Yeah. Huh?
1: You know how, number, how many number two pencils I went, <laughs> what is it, Ticonderoga pencils or whatever yeah. that I went through? making up my routine. It was always in pencil because I would always have to erase and go back and learn how to do it.
0: You wrote down like notes too. Like if you did something and liked it, you wrote it down. Had to. If, if something popped up in your head, like, Oh, I should try that. Yeah. Even like the way that you did um, your, your stiff leg dead, the way that you did your bent over rows, like they all had like a little finishing touch on them. And it's probably just trial and error and taking notes always, on what, it's, what it's, felt good.
1: Yeah, exactly. What felt good, what felt natural. And um, you, you, Build and it changes the whole time. Someone like uh, like Mike T, Mike yeah, Tricia is actually a, like a genius. Yeah, he really is. And but he's always experiment, experiment, experiment because there's always going to be a way to get better. Right. And that's what we all do. It's just the little tweaks that are going to have the biggest impacts. What do you think of the new super training gym? This is your first time. Holy crap! Visiting this they spot. got a video of me. First of all, when I walk in, it's not just like this. Oh, we're just going to do business out of a gym. <laughs> it's not like that. This is like a real professional place now. This is like ESPN Studios, which is <laughs> fucking badass. And the the store is stocked and just visually stimulating to watch. Yeah, I think that was Joey that you were looking at. Oh, <laughs> 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 it explains it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um. And then the gym part is enormous. Yeah, it's, it's a good-sized <laughs> gym, isn't it? we got a lot of good stuff. Yeah, but, you know, it's not, it's not a health club. It's a place where you want to go. You're not going to work out here. You're going to train. Right. So every time you come in, you know you're going to have a purpose, and that's going to be I'm going to bust my ass because I'm in the right atmosphere to do it. And because you guys work as a team and back everybody, there's never going to be a problem, and everyone's always going to fulfill and go after what they want. And I actually went in the back. Where you have the warehouse part, which mm-hmm. holy crap, you got you got some products back there, <laughs> and I I stuck two knives out of three. Oh, there you go. But yeah, we got my uh, axe or hatchet ball. was fucking horrible. Yeah, we have a wall to throw some uh, yeah.
0: knives and uh, Have you ever shot like a bow or anything like that? Well, no. yeah, we got all that stuff over there too. That's like impossible. I was trying it. Yeah, yeah. Marcus, you probably done stuff like that.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: he's pretty. He's shooting rats and alleys. He's pretty, <laughs> pretty, alleys and he's stuff. pretty redneck. <laughs> this guy. And that's about it. I mean, I mean, the bottom line is is if you do everything and enjoy the process, you're always going to be successful. And um. success is at the end of it all. It's not always, you know, just because you miss doesn't make it a, not a success. As we talked about earlier, there's always going to be reason why you miss. If you miss and make a mistake, if you learn from that right away, and correct why you missed, the one or two or three reasons why you missed that next workout. Those problems don't happen, and there might be another one that crops up. But when you keep correcting, you have less things to correct. Hmm. So in the long run, you're like perfect. What's your uh, favorite movie of all time? Shawshank Redemption. That's that's a fucking good. One. And and you know what? I I, I have to admit, I uh, love really bad be vampire movies with hot vampire chicks. Almost like a like a Skinimax, uh, type deal from back uh, in the day. Not naked vampires per se, mm. but hot hot cool vampire movies. I always like those. That's a very weird <laughs> fetish. <Ed. laughs> it's not really well it, I don't masturbate to them. Maybe you do. Maybe maybe later. I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, what are uh, some uh, words uh, that you lean on, you know, in, in times of need? Like what's some advice that you got, a favorite quote? It could be kind of anything in that category, but what's something that uh, has always been uh, been
1: there for you when you needed it? Well, for the anger management part, my dad always said, you know how some people before they react and do something, they have to count to 10? I want you to count to 20, Eddie. <laughs> that's great yeah and and besides that, I think i think <laughs> that's, I've, that's hilarious, I, I think I've just learned to relax and be nice for yeah. real. It may sound a little bit clicheous, but I just relax and be nice to everybody, and it made my life so much easier
0: yeah it it is it is a lot easier when you're uh You know, not always trying to like jockey for position or, you know, you're not always trying to one up somebody. No, it's not about that. It's like cut someone down. No, you're just trying to
1: better yourself. Yeah. You're not going to really walk over people and get anywhere because that always comes back and bites you in the ass. Right. You just try to get better. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to go after. I make my plan and now I'm going to execute it. And just like I said, it's just being nice. Treat everyone. Hi, how you doing? What's the problem with that? Any more questions for Marcus? Um, no,
0: Marcus, just... Marcus, Andrew? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, I got gotcha.
2: Um, knowing everything that you know now, what would you have told your younger self? To do anything different?
1: No. Because I think the mistakes I made, I learned from. And in the long run, it made me better.
2: That's, yeah, that's awesome, dude. That's all I got over here.
1: Is
3: there any lifter, past or current now, that you would have liked to have really gone head to head with in your prime?
1: Um. Hmm. Well, at my prime, to be able to use like some of the bars and the weigh-in stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I would have loved to be in the mix with some of these guys.
0: Yeah, you would love to see what that looks like, right? Twenty-four yeah. hour weigh-in. Yeah. Um. What was your best? Uh, your best total? Twenty four sixty three. Is that two forty two
1: or? Well, no, uh, yeah, but like two thirty four or yeah. something. Now, like my raw lifts in the gym back then, with before even sleeves were invented, I did an eight sixty five walkout. Um, doubled nine and a quarter real easy with an old pair of double gold lines. Just a pair of pa- knee wraps. Yeah, just the old two meter ones. And then uh, bench was a five sixty five pause. And deadlift 900 for two. <laughs> 900 for a double. Uh, and that meet where you did do the 901
0: pound deadlift, what was the next weight that you went for?
1: 920, which weighed out to be like 924. Mm. And I got too psyched too soon and I pulled it up to my knees and I just lost it. Lost mm. it. You think it was like just a little bit less
0: weight that you might have uh, been able to make it? or
1: No, I think it was after the 901. It was so anticlimactic that yeah. I lost everything. Mm. What do you think of some of these mutants
0: now? Like you got Kaelor Wollum, like that kid. Like I don't know, it looks like he might end up deadlifting a thousand pounds at some point. You if he to... could stay,
1: if he could stay healthy and get his knees better, right? There's no telling what he can do. But, and he's a really nice guy. He might need to weigh a little bit more. You think or not really? Uh, if he can, it's mm-hmm. hard. He's got a you know he doesn't have big hips. It's all you know a lot of hamstring and back. So if he could build his quads up, that will take some pressure. Off his back and his hamstrings, he'll actually get the bar moving hmm. more at the beginning. But uh, his lifts have come up. I mean, his bench got better.
0: Larry Wheels and ripped up a nine hundred pound. Holy crap! Thing, and he's jacked.
1: Yeah, um, when he went to bodybuilding, and then came back, he's really big now.
0: What's that old video? Didn't he pull six seventy five or something with, like for a double or something like that with Stan? And uh, that's kind of the first time a lot of people saw him. I think it was this. I think it was the seven plates. Yeah. You know, now he's now he's pulling an extra, you know... 225 pounds. Yeah, 225 pounds. Unbelievable. And he's young. It's, yeah.
1: You know, wh- whether or not he can last, that'll be the key. Right. But I know he wants to be a pro bodybuilder too. Mm. So I'm sure he wants to squat whatever, 800 in the meat, bench 600 in and, yeah. and his weight new weight class and uh, deadlift 900. And then he would probably... He can make a great bodybuilder. I think he'd probably just need bigger legs. Legs, know, yeah. legs, legs, and, legs and calves. And calves, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it's it's a shame, like, Dan Green got hurt. Yeah. Because he was primed for some really good stuff and a, a nice comeback. Um, Kevin Oak did a really, really nice squad of 832. That was a great B- squad. Buried the crap out of it. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and there's a bunch of, uh, I mean, the heavyweights... Mm-hmm. You got uh, Andre. You got this Peter Petrov from Czech Republic, who's a mutant beyond belief. Is he
0: coming back again? He yeah. kind of disappeared. For yeah, a while. he's
1: supposed to show up at Big Dogs. Oh no. Um, you got Sean Doyle. Nobody knows about.
0: Nobody really knows much about. I him. know.
1: I know. Well, you know, he's he's got to prove it in the regular meet.
0: Yeah. yeah Training he's been list don't low. count. He's been laying low, and yeah. uh, he, had, he
1: had hurt his peck before, and now he's coming back again. Um. Big guys, uh, light lightweight guys. There's some really good Australian lifters. One of the, a couple of the meets over there. Well, the big dogs is for all the heavyweights mm-hmm. and they have a pro raw over there, which is mainly for Australian lifters, but they, they opened it up and they let some other lifters over. It's at the Australian Arnold Arnold. And actually it's almost the biggest thing at the Australian Arnold, almost as big as oh, wow. bodybuilding. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. That's that would awesome. be, that would be something to, that? to go. That's like 2 weeks after our arnold it's there oh
2: hmm.
1: maybe i will try to figure that yeah. out are you going to body power no i'm going to actually go to uh that us open oh that's yeah that's uh yeah that's the same weekend san diego but i told you a, b- a bunch of my irish and and uh uk guys are waiting to see oh, you there oh cool yeah I, i've been getting a lot of messages it's actually been
0: It's actually really cool, really cool to think like that people across the pond. It's like, why do they want to see me?
1: Yeah. (laughs) People care. Yeah. That's pretty damn cool. Yeah. But see, they'll appreciate not just what you built, but the services you give and then your smart ass, normal guy attitude (laughs) after everything. Right. That's all. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to go home and be dad. Yep. Keep you humble. (laughs) You got your parents. Yeah. You know, we talked about... uh, why well, I have to leave on Sunday night. Yeah. Because of my mom. Well, you know, my mom's not really doing that good. She's got a lot of arthritis and she's- in a lot of pain, you said. Yeah, battled cancer twice and yeah. has a bunch of replacements. So and she's like, she's, she'll be 88 in a couple months. Good God. But yeah. And she never complained before, but now mm. that she's complaining, even with painkillers, you know what's really bad. So yeah. she's having problems in her back and her neck. And there's not really anything you can really do. Right. She's just a tough old lady. But if I get back, if I get back on Sunday night, fuck this is hard. On on Monday morning, before I start my week, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I get to go over to a house. Oh, that's cool. And spend 15 minutes or so there. Right. Now, you know how valuable. Oh, absolutely! Is. Yeah. If you could spend fifteen more minutes, that's yeah, huge. Fif-
0: yeah, fifteen more minutes, especially uh, you know, as they're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. You know, it means a lot to you. It means a lot to them. Yeah, and uh, but
1: look at that. If you if, if they're not with you anymore, what you wouldn't give? <laughs> right. That's yeah. the thing. So then you don't have any regrets. And you know they feel good because they just saw you. They may forget that they saw you 15 minutes (laughs) after you leave. (laughs) Right. But, you know, you were there. And that's really, really important.
0: Yeah. My son, um, you know, I always tell him, I said, don't let your grandpa be a bad influence on you. Because my dad always wants to keep my, he wants to hang out with my son, you know, till nine 9 thirty ten o'clock on a school night and my wife's always like where's Jake where's Jake she's like text him or go over there and and go get him I'm like you know what I can't I can't break up the party man I, I it's uh
1: no and, and actually I can, garan- va- I can guarantee you all the stories he's, he's telling you <laughs> uh, he's telling them the history but he's also a teacher right so he's teaching them and way more stuff that he he doesn't even know it yet right yeah, he's teaching them all kinds
0: of stuff. I mean, they're doing like construction stuff. They 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 build shit. They do all kinds of different mm-hmm. things. My son knows how to do taxes. There you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my son's like, did you file your? And I'm like, what? I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah,
1: ask your grandfather. for <laughs> <a minute. laughs> Yeah. I'm like I don't even know anymore. Yeah, so that part's worth it. That, that's that's what that's what's really worth it at the right? at the end of everything. Fifteen minutes. That's all it is. Ten minute walks too. Yep, don't forget those. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually started them. I, mean, I couldn't do them this week after I pulled my calf. Mm. But I have a route where it'll take. I'll, I'll do it twice in a day, which is like eighteen minutes. It and feels just good. and just those two. All of a sudden, I notice my posture, and all of a sudden, I'm, I notice the pace that I walk at is like I'm flying now. <laughs> so you really notice, and it clears your your head, and you sleep yeah. better. Try walking with Andy. You'll feel really slow. She walks really fucking fast. She's got legs like this long. (laughs) Uh,
2: Did you follow Paul Anderson when you were younger?
1: Actually, I went to a, uh, there was a guy, Tom Sciolo, who, remember that product, Hot Stuff? Yeah. So he owned that, and he had a a strength symposium. There was Dianabol in there. Yeah, supposedly. (laughs) Methyl test, Dianabol, everyone heard of those. Who knows?
2: You guys had all the good stuff.
1: Obviously, I didn't take enough.
2: (laughs) Just a supplement at GNC.
1: Yeah. It was a tainted supplement. That's what made me feel. You're like,
2: it had everything. We can't even get legit protein because of amino spiking. Oh.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's considered. At one time, you couldn't in the NCAA, a strength coach couldn't give his players protein powder. It was considered anabolic. Mm. But yeah, uh, he, had, he had a big strength symposium the down there with all the power lifters and a bunch of other people. And Paul Anderson attended. So I have a picture somewhere at home with Paul Anderson with all of us. He was in a wheelchair at the time, but it was a bunch of the, all the meathead powerlifters mm-hmm. and stuff in suits and ties and Paul Anderson. He may have That's been like cool.
0: diabetic or something, right?
1: Yeah, he had a lot of. Lot he was big ba- ba- you know, ba- ba- Diabetics. Right? And then, you know, then your, your kidneys go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was on a metal set. With a metal bar, not any springy type stuff. Yeah, he was—he was built to lift.
0: Were you strong um, at some of these weird lifts? Did you ever mess around with any like you know weird stuff? I know, I know you always had grip strength, but you never really toyed not around really. with
1: like. You know what? I I stayed in my lane. Yeah. Everyone at the very beginning was like, "Oh, you should do strongmen." I was like, I get hurt enough doing powerlifting. Why the hell am I going to do strongman? <laughs> yeah. Plus, how am I going to load a stone? Right. Yeah. Hey, too short. Exactly. <laughs> who could happen to something like Gary Taylor? Yeah. You know, the, the knees and, you know, Mark Filippi, who was hmm. just uh, was under 300 pounds and was like six foot, six foot one, and he Total blew out his knees. Ended. Yeah. Yeah. Had a car fall on him. And, you know, I stood next to Brian Shaw and Thor. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm the size of one of their dumps. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: actually very true. Yeah. Yeah. I I just love these old school like singlets and stuff that they used to wear. Like yeah. Paul Anderson always looked like a giant baby. He looked like he was in a onesie.
1: <laughs> I used to have one of the uh, <laughs> old Russian ones that was made like of wool. Yeah, remember Alexiev? The ones he had—that's that's, that's one of the ones stum- I
0: had. Yeah, his stomach. Actually, one I of the
1: one of, I, I, at one time I'm sure somewhere at uh, one of the world gyms in Columbus, they still have the uh, the set that he did the first 500 pounds on oh, Alexiev. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. All
0: right, guys, we're going to run on out of here. Ed's got to get a lift in. We're going to grab some dinner. Strength is never a weakness.
1: Weakness is never a strength. Ed, where can I find you? Um, or, 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 Oklahoma, Illinois. But I, I've, my Instagram account, <laughs> sorry, my Instagram account that I owe to Mark Um. Ed Cohen, yeah. Eddie Cohen, whatever. Ed Eddie Cohen.
0: Yeah, we started it here a couple of years ago. Yeah,
1: he's like, "Give me your damn phone," <laughs> and then he set it up for me and uh, on Facebook too, Ed Cohen. But that's about it. I think that's really cool because kind of based off of that. Obviously, your your lifting
0: history speaks for itself. But if it wasn't for social media, it's hard to still have that. Voice. Yeah, if you
1: didn't, if, if I wasn't on Facebook, if you didn't put me on Instagram, none of the seminars and there's a vast hundreds of thousands of lifters that really wouldn't know about history or or me, so I owe you that,
0: Yeah. Well, we don't owe each other anything because we're friends.
3: That's just the way it
1: works out.
0: Yep. Yep. Where can people find you, Marcus?
3: Uh, Filipino Thunder on Instagram. Oh, yeah. We're out of here. Bye. See you guys.